Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. We're coming to you live from our radio and television studios here in beautiful northwest Pennsylvania where it's blustery, snowy, cold. And who's sick of the cold? Yeah. you got to stop complaining. It has not been that cold in oh, the last few man. weeks. It has when been in the 40s and 60s. Degrees. And oh, today has been in the, the 30s. And I'll take the 30s anytime over yeah, zero well, degrees. Just complaining, right? No, actually, uh, looking forward to the spring. That's what we're, that's what we're doing. We're broadcast live each and every weeknight, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern time, right here on the Global Star Radio Network. It's the place to be. And also YouTube Live and Blog Talk Radio, BTR, Blog Talk Radio. What a, what a great outfit they are. And of course, Todd from uh, Global Star Radio Network, uh, hard worker. And thanks for carrying our program. Thanks for carrying all the programs you do. And of course, uh, folks, bookmark HagmanReport.com and please subscribe to our YouTube channel. The official Hagman and Hag Report YouTube uh, channel. Please subscribe to that. Uh, it raises our visibility, and of course, we we are doing a lot of uh, investigations, and we've got a great show planned for you tonight. Before I turn this over to Joe, I just want to remind everyone: Portions Nice Broadcast brought to you by Policy Genius. Have you heard of this company, Policy Genius? Oh man, it's a fantastic company. You know, life insurance and insurance in general really kind of a hassle. You have agents come to your door sometimes, and you you got to go go. Eh, nah, no, let me direct you to a, a website, Policy Genius. That's Policy P O L I C Y Genius G E N I U S. Sam Genius PolicyGenius dot com. Go there for zero pressure, but a good com- uh, comparable rates and uh, it, fantastic rates. As a matter of fact, uh, comparable love. Uh, uh, situation for your life insurance, your health insurance, all the insurance, even pet pet insurance. It's policygenius.com. More on that later. Joe, I'm going to kick it over to you. What if I don't want it? Yeah, then you can kick back to me, and we'll kick it to Eric, and we'll just keep kicking the ball around. That sounds good. No, we uh, there's a lot to get into tonight. We um, had a little bit of a scheduling change, just to uh, let folks know what's going on tonight. The first hour is going to be open, us talking about news and um, some some important current events. And then in, from 8 to 8.30, Andrew Kerr from The Citizens Audit will be joining us to talk about his investigation into David Brock from Media Matters and their um, connections with money trying to impeach Trump and where that money's coming from. He's done a lot of research and has um, some information on this. And then from 8.30 to 9, we're going to be joined by Chad... Prather, Prather, Prather. Uh, he has a, a video channel on YouTube, Chad Prather, as well as a website. And he is a, a, a outspoken cowboy, I guess is the best way to, to summarize it. And he has his website is watchchad.com. And if you um, go to the website or go to the YouTube channel, you might recognize him from uh, some videos that he's done where he just. Oh, you, uh, know him. you know him, guys. Yeah, he talks about. From his perspective, what's going on in the world of, of current events and politics. Now, a couple of important 
updates and uh, people are very interested in, in what Trump is doing in his first days of office and there is no shortage of information and actions being taken by Trump. I want to start off by uh, the latest update that we've seen. This is on the front of Drudge. It just popped up there a few minutes ago. Exclusive. Trump expected to sign executive orders on immigration on Thursday. And that is on top of a number of other executive orders that have been signed today and yesterday. We talked yesterday about the three executive orders that were signed, uh, withdrawing the U.S. from the TPP as it was never ratified by Congress. Therefore, he doesn't need congressional action to get rid of it. So he um, took us out of the, the TPP, which is was a, is a good thing, despite what um, other alternative and, and mainstream news sources will say. And also, uh, Trump to ne- renegotiate NAFTA with Canada and Mexico. This is a big one because uh, if you remember the NAFTA agreement and how many manufacturing jobs were lost due to NAFTA, uh, this article from the New American says the day before he signed an important executive order to withdraw from negotiating process for the Trans-Pacific Partnership, President Trump indicated he will renegotiate the North American Free Trade Agreement with Canada and Mexico. Reuters reported that during a sweeping, a swearing-in ceremony for top White House advisors on the 22nd of January, Trump stated that we will start negotiations having to do with NAFTA. We are going to start renegotiating on NAFTA, on immigration, and on security at the border. And then, um, that's, I mean, that's a big deal when we talk about the economy and um, bringing jobs back into the U.S., bringing the manufacturing sector that was lost back to the U.S. This is a, a step in that direction, uh, absolutely, to not only withdraw from the TPP, but wanting to renegotiate NAFTA. It's a big deal, and hopefully, uh, from what we've seen so far, there's no reason to think he won't make good on his um, promises or his statements on what he's going to do, uh, as he has already today signed five more executive orders. And there's a couple of interesting um Interesting ones in here. The Keystone XL pipeline and the Dakota pipeline are two. Well, the Keystone pipeline was bigger during the Obama administration. The Dakota pipeline was more toward the end of his administration. But Obama uh, dragged his feet for years over the Keystone XL pipeline and then decided that it was uh, too big of an environmental risk to do. And that's the pipeline from uh, Alberta, Canada, through Nebraska that would um, funnel uh, petroleum. Well, today, Trump signed five more executive actions in a blitz of executive power meant to spread approvals of high-profile energy and infrastructure projects, including the two pipeline controversial pipeline projects in the upper Midwest. The two um, executive orders related to energy, presidential memorandums were issued to expedite the Keystone XL and Dakota Access Pipeline, and he also signed three more longer-term and sweeping directives requiring American-made steel and changing the process of approving and regulating future pipeline and infrastructure projects. Now, this statement is from Trump. He said this is about streamlining or, you know, streamlining the incredibly cumbersome, long, horrible permitting process, Trump said in the Oval Office signing ceremony, that already became a trademark of his short presidency. 
And in reversing the Obama administration's policy to disapprove the Keystone Pipeline, Trump emphasized that the construction is not a done deal. It's something that is subject to a renegotiation of terms by us. We'll see if we can get the pipeline built. A lot of jobs, 28,000 jobs. And the article goes on to talk about uh, Obama's energy policy, taking seven years to make a decision before killing the Keystone Pipeline over environmental concerns. And um, there is already, obviously, criticism towards Trump. President Trump will live to regret his actions this morning. Michael Brun of the Sierra Club promised a wall of resistance, the likes which he never imagined. And, uh, you know, there's some very interesting things going on in the media and going on with the resistance to Trump's presidency. And, you know, but I have not wrapped my head yeah. around yet. I'm trying to understand if we're being gamed here. What do you mean, game? Because explain. My this. goodness, this is, how do you? What do you mean? I I want I want to hear what you're saying about being game. It's just too insane. What, what do you mean? These people are doing. I mean, what, I'm watching what, videos people? and and seeing articles. Um, I don't know. We we'll go through some of these stories. A man bit off his roommate's ear in Pittsburgh because he was afraid Trump was going to send him back to Mexico. We oh yeah, we got the all hair on these. fire. There's yeah, people. But, I mean, but, I've seen but, these liberal insane meltdowns of. Um, I, I posted breaking one down in Starbucks, yeah. and I posted one on the on my on my personal Facebook page today. Uh, but this woman, it, it, folks, this is a great look. You just got the coffee one. It, yeah, is vanilla or caramel? Okay, you, you got to watch. Isn't this. It Doesn't it seem not okay. real to you? Uh, no, it seems real. I mean, I I, I I'm sure guys. I, I'll bet you there's some guys with X Y just like that out there. Um, uh, yeah, I put I posted this. <laughs> Eric's, Eric, come on Did up. you see that video? Uh, yeah. Uh, I posted on my Facebook page this video of this woman in Starbucks in, in this, you, you gotta can see it. it? You, I don't think we can play it. I mean, I don't know if we I'm can play it. Can we play it? I think we can play it. I'm gonna email it to you. You, you gotta watch this. No, you, it's, it's hard to watch. Oh, no, no, it's not. Well, it, it, yeah, I guess, but I, I just, you, you, you just have to, um, this is the greatest thing. I'm not going to ruin the ending for you because the ending I thought was I the watch, best. I didn't watch it all the way through. Oh no, the end! You got to watch the end because I, I mean, I almost spit my coffee out this morning. Seriously, the ending of this video. If you go to uh, Douglas Hagman on Facebook, uh, you can see it. I posted it there. Oh no, you know what's on Hagman Report? I posted on Hagman Report as well. Okay, it's on Hagman Report, and you, you got to watch the whole thing. It's, and I'm not sure who, who took this video or who posted this video. Whoever it is will give you credit for it. Um, obviously, thank you for posting it, but it's, it's a, but you have to watch it to the end. See, that's the thing. It's just, um, because, uh, it doesn't resonate as, how can people be so well, far? Well, you gotta be my age. In reality. No, no, you gotta be my age because you run into these people. Look, we have people that, that, uh, I mean, I get emails from people just like this, and I get emails from from people who uh, uh, who criticize or are very critical of us uh, that are that read like this screed of this woman. Now, the, I guess one thing has really has nothing to do with another, but but the mental faculties which are absent from this woman are just amazing to me. You've got to, you've really got to see this to believe it. Do we have? Are we gonna? No. Yes. Who cares? Nah, don't worry about I, it. It's I on HagmanReport.com. Uh, Sorry. You know what? People can go go view it on HagmanReport.com. Anyway. There was an article in Forbes. Okay, psychological vaccine may protect against fake news and alternative facts. This um, in Forbes. Forbes 
In a well-timed paper from three universities in England and the U.S., researchers lay out a strategy for inoculating the public against fake news and alternative facts that have been rampant in recent history. They dubbed the method psychological vaccination. It's since it's conceptually similar to medical vaccinations. You insert a little bit of material you want to inoculate against, normally a virus here, a word of warning about fake news. It's not a real vaccination, folks. They're they're using wordplay. Of course. But well, think but of the, I guess in these days the psychology behind this. The the psycho, psychological vaccination to protect against fake news. What they're saying is there needs to be disclaimers on all news that isn't mainstream to guard against alternative facts. Now, the term alternative facts, people have been... Uh, alternative facts. There are such things as alternative facts. Well, or uh, the alternative spin on facts. Because we see that the news well, media, we saw Obama do this throughout his whole presidency, put their own spin, their own theories, or their own lies on top of facts or outright lies a lot of the times. And we, yeah, I mean, well, yeah. when you look at uh, the unemployment rate in the U.S., I'll say it's 4.9%. Is that a fact or is that an alternative fact? Well, it depends if you're using common core math or if you're... You exactly. Know, uh, okay. So are there alternative facts? I guess alternative facts can just be lies, but when you have you know 25 30% of the workforce unemployed right now and you go around saying that the unemployment rate is only 4.9%, which is fact and which is fiction or which is alternative fact? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I look, I get And then you got, you know, CNN, um, I don't even want to mention their, <coughs> excuse me, their name. It's copyrighted in the mic. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. They kind of snuck up on me. CNN has been doing nothing but creating more lies about Trump, um, going after oh, you know, just the press TV secretary the for, um, talking about the crowd size, they're trying to compare the, the Trump crowd size of the inauguration to the Obama crowd size because of something the press secretary said about being the most watched inauguration worldwide. Uh, okay. Talking about the internet streaming as well as who is there. But they never, you know, we talked about this, they never focused on the crowd size when the election was going on while Trump was filling up stadiums. Hillary Clinton couldn't even fill a room in a hotel. Well, that's fact, and and, and I, you know they yeah. they never once talked about the crowd size, and now there's a, another controversy that came out today. Donald Trump talked about the illegal immigrants voting in this election and the rampant voter fraud from the left, and today CNN and Lindsey Graham came out saying that Trump was undermining the confidence in both the American democratic system itself as he continues to claim voter fraud. What about the Russian? hacking allegations that were unfounded in any reality. <laughs> that didn't undermine, you know, you questioning, you accusing Russia of, of uh, releasing stolen democratic documents as part of undermining our election. You did this for months. But him saying that there was claims of voter fraud somehow is more undermining of the election than you talking about Russian hacking influencing the election. It just seems this hypocrisy is so obvious, it's so blatant, and so stupid that it has to be a ploy for attention for some other reason. That's what I was talking about at first. <laughs> I love it. No, I mean, exactly. You know, this comes about, look, all of this, in my view, comes back to fake news, and and I really believe that, that people need to understand how important that phrase fake news is because that that's contingent, obviously. The, the, there are organizations, and Andrew Kerr is, is right on the money with this, and he's going to be joining us when? At the bottom of the hour? 
at eight o'clock. Eight o'clock. All right. Talk, and talk I'm going to save right. a few stories that we have just for him because the stories about well, who was behind the the um, the Trump protests over the weekend, the women's uh, protests. I, the I, money I just did a video on that, and I, it, you know, I, let me give you a little taste of that. I just did a video. In fact, it's processing right now in my office. I actually started at nine o'clock this morning with so many interruptions. Uh, it just fin- I just finished. So it's eight minute video. It took me twelve hours to get it done uh because of interruptions but but having said all of that look the the stuff that was going on in washington and and i we should, we need to get into this i think i think do we touch on this yesterday at all or do we just or we do, touch do, on do, a little bit okay here's the deal the woman's march on washington the story goes like this it was back uh, several months ago this woman teresa shook in hawaii is on facebook and typed something up on facebook and about you know a woman's march and and goes to bed, or right away gets like 40 likes or follows or whatever, and then the next morning it's got 10,000. So the story goes. Did that happen? Yeah, it happened. But was this an organic protest in D.C. with these Neanderthals, with the Amazonian masterhood uh, being represented? And, and that, of course, is a satirical. Before people send me emails, that's a satirical reference to Married with Children. I wrote an article about that yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, ma'am, okay. But the long and short of it is this. This was not an organic movement. This didn't arise from the ashes of, of the feminist oh, absolutely movement. Not. No, this was a well-orchestrated, well-thought-out, well-planned-out movement. And there are four women involved in this. Let me tell you who they are. Tamika Mallory. She is a, just a tremendously fierce gun control activist. Her parents, actually, uh, were with Al Sharpton in the founding of... Um, they were founding members of Al Sharpton's... Uh, 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 National Action Network. National Action Network. You, you know what that is, of course. And Tamika Mallory became the youngest executive director of the National a- Action Network for Al Sharpton. And you know Al Sharpton, right? You can check out my video when it's done. Anyway, um, <laughs> those listening to that have no idea what I just did. Uh, Carmen Perez. She's number two in, in the founding members. Carmen Perez is the head of Gathering for Justice. And Harry Belafonte founded that group back in 2005 now these sound like really great organizations but they're all racist organizations vehemently anti-white and it's interesting because they all have incestuous ties for example tamika mallory is an advisor for gathering for justice of of whom carmen perez is uh involved and tamika gallery or mallory Gun control advocate uh, during administ- uh, Obama Obama's regime, uh, again founding or executive director now of um, the uh, Al Sharpton's group National Action Network, and of course you hear the phrase "No justice, no peace." Where did that come from? Al Sharpton's group, and then of course you've got number three is Bob Bland. We spoke about her yesterday. It's a female, honest to goodness. She's a New York fashion designer. She's got ties within the social media or the social uh, arena, and then number four, and this is this is who you've got to watch out for. Number four is Linda Sarsour. Say it with me, Sarsour. Linda Sarsour. She's a Palestinian. Now. Who is she? I just told you, Palestinian. But she's a Palestinian American. She is the head of the Arab American Association of New York. Why should you care? Well, isn't it interesting that uh, she is pro Sharia, pro Muslim, uh, pro Sharia, subjugating the United States uh, to Sharia law? Okay. She, as head of the Arab American Association of New York, 
as part of the governor's um, New York, uh, the mayor's fund, which had $10 million uh, bankroll, the mayor's fund, to advance New York. She, her organization received a half a million dollars, the Arab Association of New York. She was also responsible for having, or for the closure of New York schools uh, for Muslim holidays. Okay, so this is who she is. She's, and, 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 guess what? Linda Sauer, uh, if you go deeply into her past, you'll find the 2015 tweets, of course, and we, we went over this a little bit, but you'll find 2015 tweets to her advocation of Sharia law. And also, you'll find pictures of her with Hamas, allegedly her, um, Hamas operatives. All this is, or all these are, in my view, in my personal and professional opinion, based on my professional investigative research for those taking notes out there. Just to be clear. But, so those are the four faces of the women's march. Well, who's actually uh, behind, who's the money behind this? There's 400 organizations. And again, Andrew Kurtz is going to get into this, but 400 partners, in quotation marks. And you can go over them. They're, they're the usual various partners. They're the, they're the usual, the usual social justice people. Or, or shall I say socialists, basically. But there's two platinum, two premier partners, Planned Parenthood, go figure, and of course, Natural Resources Defense Council. That's right. So what do those two groups have to do with anything? They provided the money for these marches. And, of course, what you're seeing is um, the uh, uh, rather than the elevation of women. And, and I spoke about this yesterday. Women, in my view, at least the women in my life, the, 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 true, the true women I know. And I'm not talking about... Uh, no, I'm gonna just I'm gonna keep it nice. I'm talking about the, the the women in my life, my wife, my daughter, you, you know, those people out there who I deal with and are friends of mine. The people and we spoke about this yesterday, I believe. You know, the Steve's wife and Pastor Langford's wife and and Doctor Ted's wife and all of the, the the women that I know are class acts. They have dignity. And they should be elevated in terms of, well, they need, in my view, need to be protected. And they need to be elevated. They need, uh, they have dignity, they've got class, they've got uh, charm. And, and I, I said this yesterday in my opening statement. But the bottom line is this. What was represented in littering the streets of America yesterday, and you can go to HagmanReport.com for my article, No Ma'am, or if you want to comment on it, go to CanonFreePress.com. It might still be on the front page. I don't know. But but the bottom line is the people, the women and emasculated uh, ballless men yesterday or Saturday that that littered the streets of Washington and other major cities did so, in my view, as uh, basically unwitting cannon fodder, unwitting political cannon fodder for the communists and socialists and Marxists and Leninists running around the the country and trying to take over this country. The people involved now that's these are the front people. Mm-hmm. Okay now because there's an article that talks about this about the organization of the march even though that they claim they're self-described as a grassroots 
effort coordinated by many local leader, leaders. The, the article goes on to say, however, a look at its website shows that the march has numerous ties to groups receiving significant financial support from left-leaning philanthropist George Soros. No surprise there. Well, and, and David Brock hasn't. See, okay, David and Andrew Kerr's going to come on and talk about David Brock. On the other side of the break, I'm going to tell you about David Brock. I'm gonna, because, folks, we are not done with Pizzagate. We're not done with David Brock. We're not done with Hillary Clinton. We're not done with Barack Obama. We're not done, period. And let me ask you something, and I'm going to come around and, and, and ask you this. We are doing conducting research, I mean, 24-7. We are do we are we've got a white you can even ask Eric we got a whiteboard in there. there there's a lot of things we're doing right now we're connecting a lot of dots we're doing a lot of research and we depend upon your support so um, I'm just asking you know if you can if you can support our investigative work thank you and that way we don't have to to, uh, to depend on on other avenues of of income uh, you know the silly ads and stuff like that inside the uh, videos that that are that are played but we do we do have to offset the expenses it's very expensive to to conduct investigations and we appreciate your support and if you can't no worries maybe you can say say a prayer on our behalf that's great too so we're up against the bottom of the hour break on the other side we're going to talk about david brock in advance of andrew kerr and how this does go ahead andrew's going to be bringing a different perspective He's not going to be talking about the uh, Women's March so much as the efforts that are behind the attempted impeachment of Donald Trump. Right here, brother. And he's going to talk right about um, the memo that was released that uh, the and Free too. Beacon released that David Brock um, showed the different strategies yep. that they wanted to, to take. And he's, he has done some, some great research also into how... Um, you know these anti-fascist organizations. He's going to outline how it's they are all. employing the tactics of fascism. You know, and George Soros. You know, the person who's the 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 number one funder behind these anti-fascist uh, yeah. groups that that yeah. call Trump Hitler. He yeah. He killed Jewish people. He turned over his own brothers who were Jews yeah, during the like Holocaust it. for money. This is how he got his for- fame, their yeah. fortune back then. If As anybody is closest to Hitler, it's George Soros. And, and you it's know, craziness. The, the butthurt little anti, uh, well, I shouldn't say anti-fascist, but uh, the anti-fascist action, uh, anti- Antifa action, uh, those people are butthurt because there's a bunch of them sitting in jail and they're tweeting out, you really effed us. You really effed us. We're facing uh, now ten years. the protesters. Yeah, the the they're facing the, ten years. Ten years. Yeah, you really effed us. Though some of us, like yours truly, got bailed out by our backers, but we have the court dates in ten effing years in jail. Oh, you know, oh! Unfortunately, there's some journalists who were caught up in that uh, from RT and from another uh, <laughs> news outlet that had credentials that um, are facing the same thing. When we come back, we'll hit it. This on the other side. You're listening to the Hagman Report. Stay with us. Back to the Hagman and Hagman report. Somebody said, "Hey, did you just have a stroke or something? What did you do?" No, you know, it's the ant, the, the, the uh, protesters, and some say, "Oh, that's fake. That's a fake Twitter feed." Uh, well, you know what? I, I, look, I don't know. I can't guarantee the authenticity of the, the Twitter uh, remark or, or the ca- capture. It was on 4chan, I believe it was, but it was uh, Twitter that was the, the Twitter feed that read, um, or it was uh, not Twitter. It was uh, a posting on 4chan, I believe, but. Uh, by someone allegedly who was arrested, bailed out, now facing ten years uh, uh, in jail. 
and saying it's not fair, uh, calling the people, uh, uh, call, calling the people the, the, who, who tasked them, you know, yeah, to, 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 uh, uh, saying that's it's their fault. But anyway, before we get back to the, uh, the the news at hand, let me ask you something. Have you gone over your life insurance recently? Have you gone over your insurance packages? And uh, I I have at my elder age, I have. There, do you know there are 35 million U.S. families have no life insurance? Zero, none at all. That's 30 percent of U.S. households, and that that's a shame because I know that when when I pass away. When I die, or when they, you know, put me in the ground, uh, still kicking and screaming. Uh, I want to, I want to leave my family at least, I, I, I want them to be, I, I don't want them to miss me economically. So that's important to me. If, if you are, if you want a, a great service, and I think everyone should take advantage of this. I don't care if you think you're, you could have a lock on life and health insurance or your insurances or not. We found a, a great company that handles all of your insurance. All in one place. Get you the best quotes on life insurance. Get you the best quotes everywhere. It's called PolicyGenius.com. That's PolicyGenius.com. By far the best online life insurance marketplace on the planet. They provide the most accurate quotes from top A-rated life from top A-rated uh, life insurance companies. PolicyGenius has placed over five billion five billion dollars in life insurance for people like you and me. They have a very simple simple user friendly website to shop and compare all of the top-rated life insurance companies, and they give you the best options. They have a licensed customer service team, and this is important because you have to be licensed to understand the laws and what, 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 what they're doing. So um, they'll find you the best policy at the best price. While you're there, check out their other insurance offerings like health insurance and pet insurance. Yes, pet insurance. Folks, go to policygenius.com today and save over 70% off other prices for life insurance. Please do this. When life insurers compete for your business, you save money. Not by a captive agent somewhere, but by a, this company. This company, Policy Genius. That's Policy Genius. I'm going to spell it for you. P-O-L-I-C-Y, Genius, which is G-E-N-I-U-S, dot com, Policy Genius.com. No jargon, no sales pressure, no hassle. Life insurance made easy. Free quotes, zero hassle. 100% peace of mind. Folks, don't wait. Go to policygenius.com today and, and do that because I would hate to see, and, and I've known people that, that have passed away without life insurance. In fact, I had a good friend, uh, that happened to, he died in an accident. And, uh, you talk about the economic devastation. This is back in 1990. Um, young man, well, same age as me back then, and uh, uh, he died in, uh, in in a car accident. The um, the funeral back then was seven thousand dollars, I believe it was, and it, it just it just wrecked the family. So, be a hero. PolicyGenius.com. But but Joe, we were, you know before the break we were talking about David Brock. We were talking about the, the impeachment proceedings, the delegitim, delegitim, yeah. legitimization. Thank you. Okay, what he said of the of the Trump presidency, and you'll notice some some reports saying all Trump does is he's obsessed with television. He's obsessed with watching Morning Joe. He's obsessed, and you'll hear this. It's coming out. You're going to hear this. He's obsessed with tweeting. He doesn't himself tweet. He dictates his tweets. Um, I would, if I was the president, I'd be 
watching Morning Joe and CNN, too, to see exactly what they say I should do and do the opposite. I mean, you talk <laughs> well, about the best policy advice. Be- beats the hell out of watch, uh, Obama watching the, the big, or the final, four, what is that stuff, final four? College, college basketball, whatever that, yeah. But, but you know, so... so but a lot of a lot of junk is coming out of, out of the media and the mainstream media, and this this originally is ridiculous. ridiculous. It is, but but Brock himself, and this is where I'm kind of setting this up for Kerr, Andrew Kerr, and and his website is thecitizensaudit.com, right? Thecitizensaudit.com. Thecitizensaudit.com. All right, just making sure now. He's investigated David Brock. He's investigated these marches. He's investigated all of this, but with respect to Brock, he was down, and I talked, I spoke about this on the Hodges, Dave Hodges program on Sunday night. I spoke about this briefly yesterday. There was a meeting at, uh, in Florida from the, from the 18th, from January 18th until the January 21st, uh, that David Brock called. But just so you know who Brock is, he's the head of Media Matters for America, which is a news media watchdog site. He's the head of Sheer Blue, which is a liberal news site. He's involved with American Bridge, which is the Democratic and Progressive Liberal Party's uh, opposition research organization. And that's an important phrase to understand, opposition research. What is that? What is opposition research? You know what that is? That is digging the dirt, getting the dirt on others. Or creating it. Or creating it, correct. And then, of course, the legal side of his organizations, it is the Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics to Washington. CREW is the acronym for that, and that's the organization that is behind filing uh, papers and and, uh, the legal actions against Trump that include urging our uh, congressmen and senators to to fight Trump and to get him on the various clauses of the Constitution which prohibit Trump from owning, having any uh, any foreign interest in terms of uh, business deal. Uh, yeah, like especially real estate, real property and such. You know, he's got, for example, he's got hotels over in other countries. Well, uh, there's a clause in the Constitution so you can't have foreign interests or foreign, uh, uh, really foreign interests. Hasn't stopped any other president. It hasn't. But this is the angle that Brock is using. So he had this, uh, between the, uh, the, between last Thursday and Saturday, he had, uh, many donors. I think 120 at last count, I think was the final count. He, they got together at the Turnberry Isle Resort in Aventura, Florida. And again, I did a video on this. If you want the eight minute version, it'll be up probably after the show. Uh, I had to edit a lot of things in. Like I said, it took me 12 hours to do an eight minute video just because of all the interruptions. But there were like 120 top donors there, Democratic progressive donors at this meeting. Well, as I mentioned on Dave Hodges show, and I'm mentioning again, there were former attorneys general there. There were, uh, federal officials and state officials that were represented from all the major Federal uh, credit unions, labor unions, that is. You had the head of Emily's List. You had the head of Planned Parenthood there. You had uh, the head Planned of Planned Parenthood was, was one of the uh, bigger donors to the Women's March in D.C. Yeah, yeah. There's a, see, she, that, Planned Parenthood was the second of, it was really, there There were two primary sponsors, Planned Parenthood and the National Defense Resources Council, or National, uh, 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 what I said earlier, uh, the National Resources Defense Council. That's the one, yeah. So anyway, you've got Brock meeting down in Turnberry in Florida. Now, now, now you got to understand what's going on here. And before He's we raise the money. Okay, go the, on. Uh, both the uh, Planned Parenthood and the National Resource Defense Council 
got their money from the Open Society, which is owned by George. Well, there were 400, yes. But <clears throat> j- just to be very clear, there were over 400 organizations in addition to the Planned Parenthood and uh, the uh, Resource Council. There were 400. And out of those, out of all of those organizations, Soros was connected to at least 56, at least now, this is not my research or our research. This was actually posted. This is crowd-researched via the New York Times, and hopefully Andrew will address that. And they actually opened a spreadsheet, and it was very interesting to watch this play out in real time. But having said all of that, when while all of our eyes were on the inauguration and the events taking place on Saturday and these, these Neanderthal, uh, Amazonian masterhood uh, women, and emasculated men with their with their nuts and their wife's purse uh, were walking around, or their significant other's purse, or their boyfriend's purses were walking around. Yes, I said that. Does that make me a bad Christian? Okay, well then I'll repent. Uh, so, but <sighs> see, this is the Clinton network. They're not going away. This is Clinton lashing out. This is Clinton not being, not destroying the country overtly as President of the United States as she would have, but Clinton destroying it covertly. Look, we have to understand there are people who want to take down this country from within. Just like there are people out there that want to take us down and take Jones and take Rick Wiles down and take uh, all of the uh, alt media, alternative media programs down, the new media programs down. It doesn't matter. matter. It doesn't matter. But it's it's the fact that it's an alternative source of information giving a difference of opinion on facts being presented by the mainstream media. And it doesn't matter who is behind the microphone. Anybody who's doing this who has any kind of audience, they want to shut down. Right. Right. It's not about who you are. It's about the message that is being. Well, sometimes it's about who you are, and other time, but most of the time, it is about the message. You're you're absolutely correct, and and I I I say some of that in jest, but it is about the message. And when you dig deep enough, you'll find that everything is well. Nothing is as it appears, and I want people to really understand that because you might see you you might you might see a statement out there that well. That you know, it sounds logical and, and proof is shown to you or what looks like proof or evidence is shown to you. And you think, okay, that's it. And you know, it's 180 degrees opposite. How many times? So you're do- not standing in the East River right now? <laughs> yeah. But how many times in an investigation have we, have we been in an investigation when we, uh. Yeah, evidence points in one direction. You yeah. think it's, uh, cut and dry after you see certain pieces of information and evidence, and then you realize it's completely something opposite of what you, you thought know, it was going to be. Yeah, and I got uh, I folks, let me tell you about the investigation that we did. And this still bugs the heck out of me to this day. And you tell me if you, if you I know, I know I you're going to know which one you're going to talk about. Okay. Now, here, here's the deal. Just real quick, folks, listen to this because there are, seriously, there are, um, lessons to be learned here. We, uh, we, we, we only work for, for Fortune 100 and Fortune 500 corporations. All right, that's generally speaking, 99% of the time. Occasionally, we would provide mutual aid to other PIs. I'm not going to give you the city or the state where this took place, but it was it was interesting. Uh, another PI called us and said, "Would you help us out on a child welfare, child endangerment case?" And I said, "Sure, no problem. You know, we we can do this." And uh, anyway, 
make a long story short, the subject of our surveillance. Now, the guys, you'd think that this is, okay, this is like a, a really a cushy job. The subject of our surveillance worked at a strip club as a dancer. Not the one I was thinking of, but yes, I do remember that. Which one are you thinking of? Um, a worker's thing. Oh, uh, okay. Well, anyway. Now, here's, here's the issue. All right. We received a photograph, family photograph of this individual, this woman. And, uh, we got her real name and, of course, her stage name. And we identified her. And let me just, I'll fast forward through a lot of this. We identified her really well. If you know what I mean. And you know what I mean. So, to make a long story short, we were in court. So weird. I remember that. Okay. Yeah. I still don't know what happened. I I am telling you, I am telling you what, this, this still bothers me. And I, I'm, it was so strange. Okay. So, now, now, you understand, we know who this woman is. Positive, smack positive ID, right down to the tattoos or lack thereof. Right? So, we're, and you never want to be embarrassed in court. That's the worst place to be embarrassed. I mean, oh, let me tell you, you just don't want to be embarrassed in court. You don't want to be wrong or embarrassed. So, bottom line is this. Under questioning. Do you see the woman here in court? Yes. Where is she? Point her out. There. Does she have a, uh, I can't, I'm, I'm, uh, I'll just use this. Does she have a butterfly tattoo on her lower back that spans her lower back? No. Well, how do you know this? Well, <laughs> really? <clears throat> because we saw her lower back. You sure she doesn't have a butterfly tattoo that spans her lower back? 100% positive. Okay, now the, that, that, you have to understand this. What the, everything's on tape. It's the same yeah. person. Yeah. And she has no sisters. She has no doppelgangers, no twins, nothing. Well, you know what happened, right? She has a tattoo in court on her lower back, huge tattoo on her lower back. Okay, you're thinking, wait a second, that's easy enough. It's either, it's either a, either one of three things. Either the, the tattoo is fake. She got the tattoo between the time the tape was taken and, uh, the court date. Or you got the wrong person. Right, one of three things. It's all. That's the only thing you can think of. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you, it wasn't the judge got her in chambers. It wasn't a fake tattoo. <laughs> sure, how you Brit? Well, it wasn't. It wasn't a fake tattoo. Um, and she didn't just get the tattoo. You telling that story? I remember sitting in the back of the courtroom, and the the, the judge. And then everybody going to chambers coming back. <clears throat> I remember the PI, the other PI, yeah. with his little uh, video player looking at the tape. That was such a weird case. I haven't thought about that that one in a long time. Well, but it is strange, yeah. Well, like, okay. So the bottom line is, it was the same person. She said, "You've got the wrong person." And look, no, we don't. Yeah, that wasn't right the- down to the mole, right down to the. Trust me when I tell you, there, no. That was her. And she was in that, that, she was doing the, you know, in the, you know, that place, right? But here we are, 
judge looks down and says, well, okay, explain it. <sighs> I can't. I, I don't, yeah, we can't explain this. Well, you're going to have to explain it because otherwise everything gets tossed out. And the, the PI, the, uh, the PI that hired us looked at us and we looked at the other PI and we're like, what just happened here? I mean, really, what just happened? So now, although we don't know what happened, and I, I look, I understand. Okay, don't send emails, please. Don't send any emails about this. Um, I can tell you it was not a temporary tattoo, and it wasn't just done. Trust me when I tell you that we. I've got. So the only the only two things that could have happened is we got the wrong person. Mm-mm. Which that's not true. So, so you're giving what's the alternative? Place of employment, times working. Oh yeah, and she. I mean, the whole I, everything there was else. Unmistakable that, identification. We knew right when we saw the person that was who we were supposed to be uh, looking for, from the name to I mean, everything was was given to us when we went to investigate. Was accurate. Was there. We did our job. We took the the video we were supposed to, and gave it to the other investigators, and then went to court. Later on, whenever that, however much time, and then got her, got her, you know what's handed to us in court, okay? But but see, now, okay, so everything is not as it seems, because we were we could we were ready to. I mean, we did swear. That's her. That's her. One hundred percent. That's her. Absolutely, one hundred percent. And you know, we knew something was wrong going in because she had this really at this really interesting attitude. And it was one of those things that, you know, we knew, we knew that there was something wrong because we were sure. We were so sure. And we still are. But I, look, I can't explain it. I don't know what happened. I really, those are one of those issues that the, uh, uh, what happened as soon as the case was dismissed that the client at that time, <laughs> our client, the, the, the other investigator said, okay, we're done. You know, we're not going to, we're not going to, their client said to our client they're done so it was over it was at that point it was over and done with so there were we were left wondering what was going on the, the, the bottom line the moral of the story is this you can be 100 percent sure you know something and you could have all of the evidence so-called evidence and facts right before you and be totally 100 percent wrong or be right and not be able to prove it yeah i i, I don't like the Ladder, but I certainly the, the former uh, is intolerable. In other words, being wrong. So uh, I, I would just say this: that the, the moral of that story is things are not as always as they appear, and we have to be very careful with believing things that other people write, other people say, other people assert, claim, whether it's an, in an email or on a website or whatever. There's a lot to learn by that, and and we would take um, we would actually take. Uh, I lost my train of thought. I just I saw something flash across the screen there, and I lost my train of thought. But bottom, bottom line is this: please understand that that we do 100 percent of the time we attempt to to go after what's really out there, what's really true, and sometimes to authenticate things. Hmm. It's a job and a half, uh, but don't believe everything you see and everything you read. Go on. We have a, a about five minutes before the break, roughly. A few stories I want to make sure we hit before we continue with our guest, Andrew Kerr, in the next segment, followed by Chad Prather, Prather and yeah, Chad uh, Prather. It's going to be, oh, you got to 8.30 yep. to 9, wow. and then Stan coming up 9 to 10. One thing I want to talk to Stan about, and I'm just going to throw this out there 
now, and I'm going to email it to him at the break so he has this when he comes on. China is controlling the weather and will soon make it rain over an area twice the size of France. Uh, we know weather modification and manipulation have been. Well, can they bring some sun and warm weather over here? Well, listen to listen to how they're doing it. And this is a, a mainstream article. It's sending airplanes to spray chemicals uh-huh. like dry ice and silver iodide across the sky to create more rainfall in a technique called cloud seeding. Sound familiar? Well, yeah, of course. How do you change the weather? It goes on to say it's spending millions on aircrafts and chemicals that will be sprayed into the sky. The chemicals will change the metaphysical makeup of the cloud. It will force it to sleet, rain, or even snow artificially on demand. And I'm going to send this to Stan, but we see still people who claim that the chemtrails in the sky today uh, and point them out that they're called crazy and conspiracy theorists still saying that this isn't real, even though we know U.S., um, weather modification programs have been in place for for decades, mm-hmm. and now China is openly stating that they're going to be controlling the weather. Um, now I'll send that to Stan. We'll get into that in the third hour. This is a story I wanted to make sure we talked about. DNC chair candidate want to shut other white people down. This is a bizarre story. I don't know how many people saw the video of Sally Brown, Idaho Democratic Party executive director. And uh, this article is from Fox News. There's an article on Drudge about this uh, from a different source. And Hmm. what she said um, was kind of crazy. At the forum Monday, she's declared that white people need to shut their mouths and that her job is to shut other white people down. Yep. (coughs) Excuse me. And this was a forum hosted by MSNBC's Joy Reid, including uh, a bunch of uh, social justice snowflake politicians from... Keith Ellison, uh, to, oh, yeah. I mean, just go read the list for yourself. Um, the, the one lady, um, uh, Tucker Carlson had on her show and was trying to, to promote this stuff and she got shut down on the Fox show. But, uh, what she went on to say was, first of all, the DNC has to acknowledge and respect that Black Lives Matter are responding to urgent social injustice problems in our country. That's from Ellison. And, um, uh, what she went on to say is, my job is to listen and to be a voice, and my job is to shut down other white people when they want to interrupt. It's my job to shut other people down, white other white people down when they want to say, oh no, I'm not prejudiced, I'm a Democrat, I'm accepting. She said, my job is to make sure that they get that they have privilege, and until we shut our mouths and we listen to those people who don't, and we lift our people up so that we have equality in this country, we're not going to break through this. This is not just rhetoric. This is a matter of life and death. She went on to, to uh, take a shot at her home state for its own lack of diversity, saying, I am from Idaho. We are so white, so white, right? I have been reaching out and trying to connect to anybody of color I can find to be honest with me. We need schooling, and I depend on you. Schooling. Yeah, this is a white lady. Um, all right. I don't know where to begin with this. Well, yeah, yeah you I'm get the idea. Yeah, I mean, on. you get the idea. You know, one of the issues too, and, and I, sh- I want to bring this up because I think this is a matter of national security. In the incoming uh, Trump administration, their cybersecurity team came into the White House during transition. They were giving us, they were handed off a set of passwords. Now, right away, the Trump administration changed the passwords. However, there was a period of time, and uh, I, I suspect only minutes passed but uh between the incoming and outgoing trends or outgoing people the uh cybersecurity team 
ostensibly the incoming team got the passwords, and as they were changing them, the outgoing cybersecurity team leaked those passwords. And the, the old ones were hacked, the old ones, right. But th- there was only like a few. Is that a that, felony? Of course it is, but there was just a, but they can't prove where the leak came from. But, but that very short period of time put the cybersecurity parts of the White House at risk. Now, the conservative, I think conservative, uh, uh, Daily Post has got a different take on it, but there's that, that small snippet of time when that that vulnerability was exploited, and it was because of the uh, outgoing uh, cybersecurity staff. And that, to me, is unbelievably reckless. And that should be—they should be taken. Um, you know, yeah. there, there should be felonious uh, charges filed if that is true to be the case. Putting so, national security at risk over yeah. you know, a difference of ideology, opinion, or the like or dislike of a person. There's another story about a Secret Service agent who her name's Karen O'Grady. Uh, on her Facebook page in October posted and suggested that, uh, she's voting for Hillary Clinton, that Trump is a disaster for the country. And she didn't and there's suggest a she, shot. Yeah, she, she just came out and said, go and ahead. And then, yeah, she went on to say that she would not, she would rather go to jail than take a bullet for Donald Trump. This is an active, uh, secret service agent. And this kind of stuff cannot continue. And she goes on, she wrote about how, um, how much she disdains Trump and how much she loves course, Hillary Clinton. Secret this Service agent. world has changed and I have changed and I would take jail time over a bullet or an endorsement for what I believe to be a disaster to this country. And as she continues, uh, it'll be interesting to see how long she lasts as a Secret Service member. We'll be right back with Andrew Kerr from thecitizensaudit.com. He'll be with us to continue to expand on David Brock, the money behind his organization and where it's going to help try to impeach Trump. Stay with us. Back, ladies and gentlemen, to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. HagmanReport.com, that's our website for all the news information and analysis that you need, HagmanReport.com. And for the show information, different listening platforms, venues, Hagman and Hagman.com. And for the next uh, two segments, we're so proud to have with us, so glad to have with us, citizen investigative journalist and an, just a tremendous investigator, uh, Andrew Kerr. Um, he's been on before. His website thecitizensaudit.com thecitizensaudit.com check it out bookmark this website follow him on the social networking uh, across the social networking venues and I've been speaking his prayer I've been been singing his praises to every talk show host I've spoken to over the last couple of weeks and I also uh, ask everyone out there in our listening audience to to not just support Andrew but to pray for him pray for his uh, safety and protection because he is he is uncovering some absolutely in, in incredible information about David Brock about uh issues related to David Brock media matters for America and his various as I said in the first hour his various uh concerns uh including but not limited to share blue American Bridge and also the citizen, uh, Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington. With us, Andrew Kerr. Welcome, sir. Wow, thanks for having me back on. Yeah, Glad to be here. Appreciate it. 
Appreciate you coming on. So what's the deal? We saw the, the protests before, during, and after the inauguration. We saw the, the you know, the uh, Amazonian Masterhood uh, uh, march in Washington uh, on Saturday. What's who's funding this? Who's behind this? And obviously, this isn't a spontaneous. This is no more spontaneous than Benghazi was. So, what's going on? Yeah. Um, well, I believe it's come out that uh, um, George Soros is connected to almost all of the uh, to a number of the organizations that have uh, been that were present in the the DC inauguration protests. Um, I believe that the number I heard was uh, you know seventy million dollars in, in contributions to to those groups. Uh, so there, there is a connection there, and um, you know, it, it does appear to, that we have this pattern of um, you know sometimes legitimate protests starting, but then you know agitators come in, start knocking down trash cans, breaking windows, uh, trying to, to rile up the situation, trying to you know kind of ignite a a crisis, if you will, and um, you know we can see that in the in the mission statement that was um, present on disrupt. J20 on their website. Um, that was the you know, collective of organizations, um, advocacy groups that were uh, organizing the protests in Washington D.C. And you know that they, they seem to be not only trying to delegitimize uh, the new president with their protests, but it seems like they're trying to you know delegitimize democracy. They're they're saying things like Trump's success confirms the bankruptcy of representative democracy. And rather than using the democratic process, uh, we must show through direct action on the streets that no election could legitimize his agenda. So I think it's one thing to dislike the incoming president, but it's another thing to, to say that, okay, democracy is broken because, um, because we don't like the outcome. So we're just going to, you know, we're going to delegitimize Trump, delegitimize democracy, and put things into our hands by you know, essentially taking control of the streets. Uh, so that's yeah, uh, but th- this was the main uh, complaint by the Hillary Rodham Clinton camp that you know Donald Trump uh, by not accepting, for example, as one example, not accepting the outcome of the, of the election um, as it would as it, as it might have been uh, with the voter fraud threatened. Our democracy, and I intentionally use that word because that's the word she uses. So that was the complaint on, on the uh, on the on the there about Donald Trump. Yet they're taking that and they're making it manifest, or they're manifesting it through actual demonstrations, were riots, not just demonstrations. So okay, um, all right. And I, I I see it as a as a difference between you know you protesting to make your your voice heard. Versus protesting to deny other people from exercising their right to speak. We saw this on the campaign trail that people who didn't like Trump would, you know, for instance, in Chicago, that, that rally that, um, you know, kind of blew up with the right. riot. They, they, they went there for the intention of, we're going to prevent this person from speaking because we don't like his political message. Um, and then these, uh, these protests, they, I didn't see them as, Protests to say, hey, we need to make our voices heard about this issue, or you know, we feel like we're being drowned out. They were protesting for the aim of we need to silence Trump, we need to legitimize him, and make sure that you know he can't get anything done, that he can't make his voice out, make his opinions heard, because his opinions are, you know, deemed unacceptable by by us. Which, ironically, the self-proclaimed anti-fascists, what they're calling them, that's the same playbook that 
the Nazi party in the 1920s and 30s used to uh, get Hitler into power. They would forcefully disrupt the meetings of, uh, of other political parties to ensure that they couldn't speak. Um, they would threaten um, political opponents. They would you know, send, send people in, paid ad, essentially agitators, to essentially just walk up to the stand and take the microphone away and say, hey, we're taking over this meeting, which, I mean, they, that's what they did to Bernie Sanders um, that, that one time with Black Lives Matter uh, early in the election during the primaries. And they just kind of stormed up on the stage, took the, took the uh, podium, said, hey, you're not going to be able to uh, hold this rally anymore. We're, we're taking this over. So it's, again, I, I see a clear difference between exercising your right to, to protest and then, you know, forcefully disrupting, you know, people from being able to, to speak or, you know, even enter the inauguration. They were blocking the, oh, yeah. the check. Yeah. And Andrew, um, it's one thing for, you know, um, people in, in politics, troublemakers to, to come out and do these kind of things. But I mean, even though with Obama, we didn't see, we saw the Tea Party movement, which did protest Obama a little bit. They didn't go to his events and, and try to interrupt him. But why are we not hearing from Hillary Clinton? Why are we not hearing from, um, we didn't hear from Obama. We don't hear from these, you know, uh, liberal left-wing lying news organizations denouncing any of the violence. Denou- Instead, they, they try to justify it, uh, even justifying violence against Trump supporters. How come there's not more attention being given to the lack of media response? I, I couldn't tell you. You know, it, it's um, it was frustrating for me back then to, you know, I, I remember that, um, that some prominent host right after Obama got elected um, saying that, hey, we we want to make sure that he's an unsuccessful president, that he fails as a president. You know, back then in, in 2009, I remember being frustrated at that because, you know, he was the the president. Um, and if the president succeeds, then we all succeed. And a lot of people on the left were very frustrated that, that they won that election authentically, and they were frustrated that the other side was, uh, you know, not willing to work with them. Instead, uh, there were factions within the Republican Party at the time that, just wanted to block Obama from doing anything. Now, from what I remember, most of those actions you know, took place, you know, legislatively and you know within the bounds of the of the law. The you know, Tea Party they they did their protests, but I don't remember them actively disrupting uh, Obama de- events or you know trying to um, create chaos on the streets. But um, and you know the left was really was really frustrated at, at the right for doing that. But now, you know, it's flipped and now the left is trying to, you know, be disruptive. And the same people that were so frustrated that, you know, uh, Obama was being blocked are now, you know, cheering on that, oh yeah, we need to uh, stop Trump and delegitimize everything that, that he stands for. It seems extremely hypocritical. Oh, it's and, all hypocritical. I, I agree. Well, let's get into your investigative findings, if you don't mind. Uh, because the self-proclaimed anti-fascist mirroring the tactics Nazis used to gain power. Very interesting article you wrote a couple of weeks ago. It's still relevant today. You were talking about uh, Disrupt J20, of course, in that article. But but who's... Okay, so the, the tactics. We're seeing these tactics. We've Obviously, they're very familiar to us because we've seen this happen before. So you, you spoke on the tactics. Um, so who? And by the way, James O'Keefe, Project Veritas, absolutely fantastic expose reporting expose um, with that. Uh, you know, the exposing the the plans of of those couple of uh, people. What was it, Luke Kuhn, and who else? Uh, 
I don't remember the other guy's name, but wanting to wanting to um, disrupt the the uh, deplorable. So, okay, what what do we have here to shut down the the using the acid as a kind of a stink bomb? So, so who's who's really behind all of this? Um, well, I, I think that the uh, I think there are organizations that are behind this that um, are you know utilizing. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of people out there that aren't happy that Trump is the president. And right. I think that they're utilizing that that anger to their advantage. Um, you know, using the term one of the terms that uh, that uh, the Soviets use uh, the term useful idiots. I think that they're uh, um, taking advantage of useful idiots to uh, to move their agenda along, and it, it, it seems to be this common recurring theme of you know, delegitimizing Trump, right. delegitimizing democracy, because democracy didn't work this time, so it's just, you know broken, and you know instilling a new type of of government. Um, but you know, history shows that you know overthrowing democracy, putting in communism or another type of government, that's you know an oppressive form of government. I think that that's the that's the play that that we're seeing here. We're seeing it on the streets um, of you know the masses being taken advantage of, uh, but then we're also seeing it you know with uh, this new David Brock document that came out. Yeah, and let's talk about that because it, that, that's an interesting document. It, it, you're talking about the thirty-some page document. The yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Let's and, talk, let's go ahead. Yeah, and that's the it's the same theme. Uh, they they. Are trying to, you know, essentially block Trump, delegitimize him. Uh, essentially, they, they actually have it in their their strategy is to, uh, uh, you know, force an impeachment on him, either uh, defeat him through uh, elections uh, in 2020 or or impeach him. And you know, there's language in this leaked document that that shows that you know each step along the way they want to have a slow trickle of of new findings that you know, Trump will, will constantly have to. You know, he's just constantly going to be embroiled in, in controversy, and they just, uh, you know, they want to disrupt. They want to de- uh, delegitimize, um, okay. just ensure that he can get nothing done. Okay, now, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's my understanding that that document was either the subject of or a consequence of, a result of, that meeting that David Brock had in, at Turnberry Isle Resort from the 18th through the 21st of January. That, that document was the product of, or at least the subject of, or one or the other, or both, of that meeting that uh, included people like Cecilia Richards from Planned Parenthood and Elise Hogue from uh, Narrow and, and other such people, you know, and just a whole host of donors and uh, the progressive leftist communists, basically. So is that, was that the, the result of that meeting, or was that going into that meeting, did Brock author that, and then they refined that? Yeah, th- this looks like a fundraising uh, document that they're they're propping up, uh, you know, how great American Bridge is, and they have at the bottom that their budget for 2017 is 14.7 million dollars. So they need to bring in the cash, and they're they're trying to to show that, hey, you know, we have, uh, we have 20,000 uh, hours of uh, of video documentation on Trump. We have uh, the most opposition research compiled from any Democratic um, group, you know. Give us your money, and we'll, you know, we'll we'll do what we can to to delegitimize and and ideally in, impeach Trump, 
or just, you know, make enough disruption that he can't get anything done. Okay. Well, opposition research, what does that mean to you? Because to, to me, this opposition research is actively going out and creating situations like, I'll just give you an example, uh, sending a couple of prostitutes up to the room of a, of a political operative and, and then getting the goods to impeach that, impeach his credibility or her credibility, uh, or blackmail that person. Is that what opposition research is or does it, or is it more, um, in your view, is it more legitimate than that? Or is it a combination of both? Well, I think they can be more legitimate, but I mean, let's look at the, the overarching strategy here is, you know, at, in this document, it says that American Bridge is saying that they have nearly 80 entities that, that use their content. And it's been well documented that American Bridge, which shares office space with Media Matters, you know, they, they funnel stories to reporters. They, they get reporters out, um, of the media that they don't like, that they're, they're, you know, they have any dissenting op- opinions and get them out. Um, or as it was reported in 2012, they were essentially writing the headlines for MSNBC. So they create opposition research on Trump. They have 80 entities, 80 news entities that, that utilize their content and they'll drip feed the content to those news entities, which will then disperse it out to uh, the masses. And, um, you know, Sean Spicer, he, yesterday in his press conference when he said that, you know, the, the news is just so, so negative. Of course, people are, you know, Thing that uh, Trump is, just, you know, there's nothing good about him right. because you know all people are hearing is how bad Trump is. Look at all the people that don't like him. Look at how what the celebrities said about him. Look at these, uh, you know, uh, all these protests. You know, it's kind of creating this image that uh, Trump doesn't have things to control. You know, he had this, uh, you know, this first weekend was, you know, an historic bad. Uh, everything is bad about his administration, right. and you, people are just going to think that, oh yeah, this is a uh, he's bad, and they're not. And that's not to say that, you know, there shouldn't be any news that's, uh, negative towards the, the government. I mean, that's what the conservative media has been doing for eight years with Obama. Right. But there seems to be no balance. There's, there's no, like, hey, here's a positive perspective on Trump and here's a negative perspective on Trump. Uh, it's just, it's all negative. It's getting people riled up. And then we have people that are, you know, lighting limousines on fire in, uh, in Washington, downtown Washington, D.C. during the inauguration. L- Larry just, King's limousine. Uh, it I, came out. No, I guess that was a separate attack. Oh, I know I talked about that. I've seen a story today that said it was a, uh, a Muslim, uh, I, I don't know if it's an immigrant, refugee, citizen, part-time citizen, whatever, and it's gonna okay. cost over $70,000, but Larry King did tweet out about being, the driver being attacked. I don't, right. I don't know. Well, but what's interesting not- about this, you talk about the, uh, negative aspects of the media coming against Trump. It'd be one thing if there was, Reporting of, if they were reporting truth, you know, they, they make up claims like Trump is racist, but there's no evidence to back up any claims of racism. They talk about him being authoritarian, you know, being Hitlerian. There's no evidence that, that that's the case. It'd be one thing if they were reporting facts in a negative light that were negative. But when they're creating these stories out of whole cloth, when they're creating this person, isn't that going above and beyond? Isn't there a line that they're crossing that they should lose their credibility, that they should be Fined by the FCC. I mean, for a news organization, but, but to how can you make that, up though? I mean, I, I'm just throwing this out there. You go ahead and finish well, that question. What they're doing is, is they're feeding into this. Uh, to the they're they're basically brainwashing people into believing something is true when it's not, creating this atmosphere of of protest and violence and outrage that we're seeing all over the place and this insanity that's ongoing, and it's it's hurting real people. So I guess my question is. Um, 
This uh, is their strategy. They're going to continue to do this. And in, in in, from what you've seen, what's the best way to counter this? Just continuing to tell the truth? Um, Outing the or should the media? I mean, yeah. How, how could this be rectified? Well, I, I, think, I think that uh, I, I don't think it would be right for, uh, you know, the FEC to start finding news organizations that publish false because that, that's putting a lot of power into the hands of a, of mm-hmm. a government entity. I agree. Uh, I I think that people need to realize that they have a significant amount of influence as as individuals to uh, stop if they stop supporting organizations if they stop watching them then it, it's going to force them to to change and I, and you know during the election there was polling that showed that only 33 percent of people trust the the mainstream news media and uh, you know that's on them if they continue to uh, go down the road that they're going, then they're gonna have nobody's gonna be listening to them because we still have the freedom to, uh, to go to a different uh, source to to read our news, uh, get different perspectives. So, um, and another thing, I think that over time people are gonna you know realize that, um, you know, Trump is not Hitler reincarnated. You can disagree with Trump on his policy stances, uh, and we can have you know the democratic discussion like that. This guy's not Hitler. That's absurd. Um, he he met with uh, with union leaders. I, I believe it was yesterday. And coming out of the of the meeting, the u- union leaders said that you know to say that Trump was engaged would be an understatement. You know they they were just heaping praise on on Trump. The, the same union leaders that were in the pocket of Hillary Clinton during the during the election. And so I think that over time, you know, people are going to start to realize that um, you know this isn't a fascist government that we live under. We still live under a democracy. And l- let's just get back to debating. Uh, the issues, you know, like countrymen. I mean, we're all we uh, we're compatriots. I mean, we're 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 all Americans. We're all in this together. Um, and I hope that we can get back to that. I was really frustrated with all the division when Obama first came in, and now I'm really frustrated at the Democrats, like, even more so because we've been, spent the past eight years listening to them say how un-American it is to disagree with your president, and now they're just they're doing the same this thing that they're is patriotic now. Yeah, continuing off the. Uh, no, you're exactly right about the the media. The best way to counter that is to not pay attention. Do you think that the media is getting more ridiculous in order to try to recapture some of the attention that they're losing, or are they just fizzling out and self-destructing? I th- I personally think they're digging a hole because they spent the past 18 months talking about how how terrible Trump is, and so they're they're going to look bad if they if they switch back to honest reporting. You know, if they if they if they stop just you know. Yeah, 180. Uh, I mean, yeah, I agree. Yeah, it seems like they're, you know, I get uh, notifications on, um, you know, CNN notifications on my phone, and you know, on Obama's last couple of days, are just you know heaping praise on Obama, just uh, oh the outgoing president, you know, all the supporters and everything, and then with Trump, it's you know, oh yeah, the the worst weekend of an incoming president, and you know, it's just all all, all negative and and. Relation to, to Trump. Well, so, well Andrew, I, I don't mean to interrupt, but I did nonetheless. Sorry about that. Um, the, the the fake news narrative, the fake news accusation of fake news. This is to me one of the most, um, uh, to me as one of the most serious allegations out there, because there will be people that will, I believe, will be uh, when the, when the, when somebody will accuse some, they could accuse us of. of 
pumping fake news, or you, or any citizen journalist. It doesn't matter. But they, in turn, can use that accusation or assertion as the basis to shut someone down, for example, um, claiming, uh, I, don't, I don't know, using whatever whatever means necessary. How does the fake news phrase that was set up during the, uh, really during the run-up, after November 8th, I should say, the Russian accusations, the behavior of the media, all of this together, and now the um, the 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 Hitler-like demonstrations, the tactics being used, as you point out in your January 18th column. How does all of this fit together? I mean, we're seeing a pattern here. Obviously, the end is to take Trump out, or you know, to make him less legitimate or completely illegitimate. But that said, um. You know, who's behind it and, and, and how does all, how does all this fit together? Because this seems like this was planned. So, uh, what the Nazis did in, ni- in the 1930s was they would, you know, create disruption on the streets and then they would then at their political rallies point to, you know, the, the madness on the streets and say, hey, look, the current government, they don't have things under control. You need to bring the, you need to bring Hitler in and the Nazis to, you know, fix the situation. But it was the Nazis that was creating that disruption in the first place. So they caused the, they cause the issue, blame it on the other side, and then say that, oh, in order to fix this, you need to bring, you need to bring us in. And, you know, with the, with the fake news narrative, I, I think it's, it's backfired on them. It's not quite working. I'm not seeing fake news too much in the, in the mainstream news media anymore, because, you know, Trump has kind of co-opted that, um, that, that phrase, that, that term, it, especially when he called out CNN for being fake news in that, in that press conference. All right. Uh, and, but, you know, it's kind of like uh, like that kid on the schoolyard that would take your hand and then you know start hitting your own face with your own hand and then say like, "Hey, stop hitting you! Why are you hitting me?" When that happens, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it, it seems like that's what they're doing. It's like they they you know, essentially create falsehoods and then they get called out for distributing fake news and then they start screaming about, "Oh, you know, the freedom of the press we're we're under attack." Um, it, it's it's kind of absurd and yes, yeah, it's, it's like a, a cycle. They they create an issue. By uh, losing the trust of, of the voters, uh, not distributing authentic news, they get called out for distributing fake news, and then they start screaming about how, oh, you know, the freedom of the press is under attack, and you know, Trump is Hitler 2.0. Um, you know, we need to get people out in the streets and, and protest this, this madness. But but the, there's in the first place. There and, and you're right, but there's big money at play here, and big money at stake, and big money behind. These operational tactics, the, these very tactics to which you refer, there's huge money behind behind uh, this. In fact, when you look at, and you mentioned yourself, when you look at David Brock, for example, uh, American Bridge, sharing the same office with Media Matters, Media Matters, this liberal news media watchdog, uh, identifying, quote, fake news uh, sort of sites. Yes, that phrase has eroded somewhat. Um, or at least the popularity for it, but nonetheless, it could come into play as we see things happen down the road, uh, where, uh, falsities, uh, whether, whether it's respect to Trump or, you know, who knows what the issue is. Uh, the, the tactics here, the, the, the people behind this, big money, connections to the previous Obama regime, Clinton's, uh, the, the Democratic Party, the progressive liberals, all of this. I mean, we have to look at the bigger picture here. And you may, you connect some very important dots in your investigative research. 
And I really think that um, with what you've uncovered is probably one huge slice of the pie that we have to look at um, when we're talking about all of these tactics. And I, I really, I want you to get into well, your findings on this because I think, folks, I think his findings are, are when you when you take his findings, Andrew Kerr's findings, the citizensaudit.com, in with respect to Brock, with respect to Media Matters, and you start looking at the money, you start following the money as we as investigators have been trained to do. And I, didn't, I don't mean to dominate this. I'm just kind of running the clock out to the bottom of the hour, Andrew, so hang, mm-hmm. hang with me. But when you, um, you like how I admit that? Because we're not professional. So, but when you look at all of this together, combine all of this together, you have uncovered some very important, or covered some ter- good territory and uncovered some very important uh, facts that people need to understand. And it's your research that I think will serve as the basis or could potentially serve as the basis for official investigative research taken to, for example, congressional investigative committees and serve as the basis for uh, future official investigations. It's that good, folks. The citizensaudit.com, Andrew Kerr. Stay right where you're at. We're going to be back with Andrew Kerr right after this. Stay right where you're at. Segment of the Hagman and Hagman Report. I apologize for last segment. I, I I must have lost my mind. I'm looking right here at my schedule, and I'm I'm oh I'm sorry about that. Chad Prather is with us. You know him. You know him. Watch Chad.com. You've seen him before. He is a gem for this country. I mean, I, I'll tell you something. Uh, he, he's a great man, Chad Prather. If you, I, I know you've watched him. Some of his videos. Uh, I'm going to just let Joe bring him on. You're listening to the Hagman Report and watching the Hagman Report. HagmanReport.com. Don't forget to bookmark our site as well as our, uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. But let's bring Chad on, uh, Joe. Yeah, our guest is, is Chad Prather. You can go to Chad Prather on YouTube, P-R-A-T-H-E-R, or go to WatchChad.com, and you can find his website and get his information uh, from there. And definitely follow him on YouTube. He does a lot of um, videos dealing with, common sense and logic they're very short they're uh, informative and it's great to have you on the, the show chad uh, you've been making some waves as of late well it's good to be on the show with you guys and if i could get y'all to just call my mother on the phone and tell her everything that you just said about me and maybe <laughs> convince her of some of those kind words let me tell you i've been called a lot of things i've never been called a gym <laughs> well so i'm, I'm going to take that one i love it. well you are i mean really you're you're a uh... Uh, you're an asset to this country and to patriots and to, to people everywhere. I, I, I mean that. It, it, I'm not just blowing smoke. I mean, I've seen you, uh, and I was so surprised when John had said, hey, we're going to have Chad Bray. I got Chad Prather on for a segment, and I thought, no, come on, man. So, anyway. <laughs> well, those, those are kind words. Thank you. I, and honestly, you know, I, I spend, someone stopped me in the street yesterday I was an event at an event they said you know we appreciate those videos you do in your truck and I said I went to college I, I've got multiple degrees and I had no idea that one day I'd make a living talking to a camera phone <laughs> on you know sitting in the cab of the truck in the driveway or down some dirt road somewhere and I had no idea a couple of years ago that when I turned the camera phone on for the first time and propped it up on the steering wheel and started talking to it for a minute and a half that millions of people were going to start watching this thing. You know, for me, it was just an idea that was silly. And then people started tuning in and watching this. So it's really kind of turned into a mind-blowing 
thing for me. It's certainly humbling. You know, we did a video today that uh, has a million and a half views just in the last seven hours. So uh, I don't know who's watching this stuff. It's a, it's absolutely crazy this world we live in. Yeah, a million and a half views in seven hours. Yeah, it's, we did too, Chad. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the point of that video, the point of that video was I was I was talking about uh, the women that are marching in the street, and they're not the ones in Washington D.C. It's these girls pulling red wagons, selling Girl Scout cookies because uh, Girl Scout cookie season is upon us. I don't know why people make New Year's resolutions to lose weight, and then two weeks after New Year's. They're selling Girl Scout cookies, and you can't say no to this stuff. It's it's absolutely addictive. I, my I love my it. wife, I walked in. My wife has bought our town out on Girl Scout cookies. I came in this morning, walked through the kitchen, and there's a stack of Girl Scout cookies, and I, and I've had the I've eaten them all day long. <laughs> Thin mints, my favorites. Anyway. Everybody loves the Thin Mints. Yeah, everybody well, loves the. You well, gotta put them in the freezer, though. That's the key. You gotta put them in the freezer. Oh yeah. That's, that's Apparently, it becomes twice as addictive. Oh yeah, I, I got you right there. Well, well, well if we brother, can, yeah, yeah, go on. Gears here. I, I don't want to. Oh, on the thin mints? Come on, man. No, I want to ask Chad about um, the atmosphere. Uh, how long have you been doing these? You said a year and a half. Yeah, about two years. Two about years. two years. We're coming up on two years. I was doing a television show actually. I had a production assistant. She said, "You know, you're always putting silly stuff on social media. Why don't you put videos out for everybody to watch?" Let everybody enjoy them. I said, I, I don't think anybody's going to watch these things. And of course, she said, Well, I think you're wrong. And uh, one of the first videos I put out for a broader audience it had about a million views in a day, and it was it was really a, 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 cha- a change your life experience. I tell my wife that it was almost like we opened up the front door and allowed all the neighbors to come in and go through our underwear drawer because suddenly nothing is private anymore. Everybody's following you and they're watching you and they're sending you requests and messages some you know not so good as others but <laughs> it, it really ch- it really changed our life and uh you know i've always been in some form or fashion in the world of communication and i've always enjoyed that and i love you know it used to be that i could i'd talk to somebody if i could get them to stand still or walk slow and now i've got millions of people who are watching these things uh so it's funny because sometimes i'll have this idea for a truck rant uh, which is what I call them. I don't know what they really are. Just observational humor from the seat of the truck. And a lot of times I'll have these ideas and I'll say, well, you know, I want to, I want to stop and say this. I want to record this and post it. And then I'll look and I'll see that I've got some torn shirt or something. I say, you know, if a million people are going to watch this, you might ought to make sure that, you know, you're dressed for the occasion <laughs> before you do this. So it's really kind of changed my mindset as to how I approach social media because the numbers are mind boggling. Yeah, yeah, you've got you've got some significant uh, coverage, indeed. Yeah, I wanted to ask you um, how the if the atmosphere has changed for you in these last two years, specifically more in the last six months, three months, um, with the amount of backlash you're getting. And it's not like you're out there putting negative stuff out, so you know, getting hate mail and stuff like that's well counterintuitive. I do, I do get some. I do get some hate mail. I often tell people, I say, I wish you could spend a day in my inbox because it's not all sunshine and roses. Uh, in fact, five minutes before you guys, we got on here together, uh, I got another one from a guy over a message that I did, uh, I don't know, a week ago about uh, Obama's legacy and his record. And again, I, I try to put everything in a positive spin, ultimately. Uh, I've always been, I would guess you could say a political guy. I've always been a conservative guy. Uh, bottom line, I've always been a 
life guy. And so by the nature of that, you fall in the conservative camp. So uh, that's an argument that I've never shied away from, and I've always been someone who wanted to use my voice to champion that. Uh, but at the same time, I try to put a smile on people's faces. I try to make people laugh. I try to make people come together and say, you know, we're all dealing with these issues. Uh, some of them are funny. Some of them not so funny. And when you have an issue that, that you need to point out that is truth, sometimes it's best delivered if you can wrap it in humor. And so that's kind of been my goal. Uh, but the atmosphere, to answer your question, Joe, um, we're living in an interesting world these days. Uh, there's definitely been a change. I think we are in a demand right now for those who have a voice to use it. Uh, you know, historically, people didn't have a voice like they do today. And nowadays, it seems that everybody has a voice. I'm not sure that all of us are responsible enough to put that voice out in public. Uh, and sometimes I, I wish I was better at communicating my thoughts and, and even my heart and how I feel about issues. But, uh, you know, everybody's calling everybody names. Everybody's arguing. Everybody's looking for a fight. Everybody's looking to, to get their point across and oftentimes it's contentious. And uh, social media, maybe it's going to be the downfall of civilization. I don't know. Uh, but in the meantime, I think we have to be responsible with it because it is an interesting atmosphere that we're living in. And, and you bring an aspect that, um, you know, the humor, um, I, I love, I love your sense of humor, by the way. Which is so needed I mean, today. That's, you've got, you've got the greatest sense of humor. I just, yeah, and, and, um, has that always been a part of your personality or is this something that, uh, helps you get your message across? Yeah, you know, when I was in my 20s, fresh out of college, I traveled all over the world with nonprofit organizations, humanitarian aid organizations, churches, uh, missions groups, and I was always known as that guy that communicated to your group, but it could make you laugh and could get a point across with humor. So uh, I've always seen social media as an avenue for humor, and I've always tried to use it as such. And I think a lot of people think I'm, they take me a little more seriously than they should. Uh, a lot of my humor is self-effacing. I, I try to poke fun at myself first, and I say for every finger I'm pointing at you, I've got three pointing back at myself. So, um, you know, a lot of times it's just an opportunity to make fun of myself and laugh at myself. Unfortunately, it's sometimes hard for people to see that. Uh, but, yeah, you know, if we're not laughing, we're dying. I mean, that's my opinion. I think people need to be enjoying life. Uh, I think people need to have not only happiness, but they need to have a deep-seated joy in their life. And I, I tell people all the time, they say, you know, I, I'm happy, I have joy. And I say, well, you need to tell your face because it's communicating a completely different message to the world. You, you look miserable, you look unhappy. And so I, I, a lot of times I'll put a hashtag out there, simply smile. Uh, just a reminder, you need to smile. So I, th I, think, I think life's a whole lot more fun when you're laughing. I, I totally agree with you. And if I can ask you a question, because uh, having seen a lot of your videos, um, uh, and I'm on. I want. I want to see them all because I, I just. I, I love your uh, your delivery and I love your your content. But I'm gonna ask you something a little bit different. Maybe um, if you don't mind answering this. What what here it is January twenty fourth, twenty seventeen. Out of out of everything you've done and out of everything you see, what is on your heart right now? I mean, if you, you, right now, I mean, we, we, look, you've got a tremendous audience, um, vast. Listening and viewing audience, we we have a large audience. But um, if you could just, if if you knew today was your last broadcast or your last time on camera, and we pray, of course, that's not. What would you say to people? What's on your heart? Yeah, uh, I, I I think I think people have got to find a way to come together. It really is heartbreaking the division that we see uh, in our country. Uh, it's going to lead to more and more chaos and and 
ultimately there's no way any of us are going to succeed. I, I really have a problem. Somebody, someone asked me recently, they came up to me, they said, we've seen your videos. You're that guy that calls people buttercups. And I said, well, maybe you've seen my videos, but I promise you I've never called anyone a buttercup. Uh, it's just uh, buttercups and snowflakes. And I see so many conservatives that are throwing these names around. And that's, there's nothing healing in that. Uh, and it's true on the other side as well. There's a lot of name calling going on, a lot of things being said. And, and I really wish that we could get past that to a place of love. Now, I don't think that you have to sacrifice truth, uh, and you don't have to sacrifice your viewpoint, and you don't have to sacrifice your convictions in order to come to a place of unity and love. But I really wish people could find some common ground and, and figure out a way to come together. Uh, our future is absolutely depending on that. So if I had a way to say that, I would say, you know, uh, if we could set some things aside and find some common ground and figure out a way to love each other and laugh together and, and you know, open up a bottle of wine sometime and, you know, just sit around and, and, and hang out a little bit, I think it would be a much better place and world to live in. Chad, I want to ask you a question, and I don't know um, that anybody has the answer to this question. And, and you just kind of did um, talk about how we could fill the divide between. Uh, is it possible to fill it with the, the political climate we see today, with the divisions in that political climate we see? Is the divide too great? Are people too dug in? You know, I, I <laughs> when you look at it from man's perspective, yeah, it, it's pretty great. It's pretty huge. Um, you know, I'm a person of faith. I'm a person of prayer. I do believe that God has the ability, the ability to heal us and bring us back together. Uh, you know, if you look at, if you go back 2,000 years, you look at the person of Jesus, you see a lot of conservative thought. You see a lot of liberal thought. You see a lot of those things expressed in the person of Christ. Uh, there, and a lot of times we forget that part. I was just having a conversation with my wife a little while ago. We were talking about God. And I said, you know, when God created man, he also created woman, and he said he created them in his image. There's there's something about uh, the feminine that's expressed in the, the nature and personality of God. Uh, we don't, we should, we gotta stop insulting each other, finding divisions and find this place of unity where we can come together. For me personally, I think that the thing that's going to heal all of us is ultimately coming back to a place of faith. Even that divide has gotten pretty great. So, you know, I hope that the folks who are convicted that prayer works are doing exactly that. I've said for years now, even the folks that have complained about, uh, former President Obama, uh, you, you can't complain about the man if you're not praying for the man. You know, you, and this is the same for Trump. You can't complain about the man if you're not praying for the man. I believe that's a biblical principle, and, and those are the things that are going to bring us back together. Not to get too deep in the church weeds, but yeah, that's that's my conviction. And uh, yeah, you know, we see a lot of craziness in our in our world today. And again, uh, folks, we're talking with Chad Prather, who his website is watchchad.com. Oh, that's great. His website. YouTube videos are on Chad Prather. Uh, you just go to YouTube, search Chad, P-R-A-T-H-E-R, and, uh, subscribe to his YouTube channel. It's, it's, uh, there's a lot of stuff there. Life lessons, uh, comments and opinions on, on what's happening in our world today. And, uh, he does it from a, a point of, of humor. And it, it is refreshing uh, to see that because people are so serious today. People are so angry. And, oh, yeah. Man. Hey, have you noticed that? Hey, I mean, I went, I was at the grocery store uh, with my wife. When did we go? Yeah, I think yesterday. And, and oh, my gosh. Uh, you know, uh, people are just, like, unhinged. Uh, what's going on? Now, inevitably, inevitably, someone will send me a message, and they'll be angry because I wore a blue shirt. <laughs> or you might have blue in your tie. It, it, I get messages like that. How? Why would you? 
put this video out and you didn't wear red. It's absolutely ludicrous. I think everybody just needs a cowboy hat. Bottom line, everything <laughs> makes more sense when you wear a cowboy hat. I mean, think about it, guys. We, I mean, I, you know, I wear a cowboy. I, I'm, I'm in the house now. You know, the producer said you can't come on the Hagman and Hagman Report without wearing the cowboy hat. Nobody will know who you are, and that's a point of fact. Uh, nowadays, if I don't do a video sitting in the truck, people don't have a clue who I am. I'll run into people all the time, and they'll say, uh, uh, this is Chad Prather. Do you know who he is? And they'll say, we don't have a clue who he is. Who are you? And I said, well, trust me, I'm 44 years old. I'm still trying to figure that out. Uh, but as soon as they see the, the guy in the cowboy hat sitting in the truck, they're like, oh, you're that guy that's always running his mouth. So for me, I'll put it out here for you guys, and, and I'm sure you can relate as well having the show. Uh, getting into your place where you can get comfortable and just communicate and get some things off your chest, they're pretty therapeutic. Uh-huh. What we've got to learn to do, uh, you know, the sitting in the truck and talking to the camera started out as therapy for me. Uh, I'm a, I can, I can fall into depression with the best of them, but getting it off my chest makes me feel good. Well, what we've got to learn how to do in this country is communicate with grace and style and a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of, give and take here and there. People have gotten pretty rigid. I'm telling you, uh, when the stiff wind blows, the ones that are rigid are the ones that are going to break. You know, we got to learn how to be a little more flexible. Interesting. Yeah, you're right. And um, folks who haven't seen uh, Chad's latest videos, uh, the one John, our producer, pointed me out to was um, one titled, I Beat My Kids. Now, <laughs> when he said that first, I'm like, okay, this is going to be good. He's telling me to watch this and he's going to be on the show and uh, the titles I, I beat my I kids. So I like, took them literally, and Joe yeah, still got no. the marks. So, uh, but <laughs> no, anyway. but you give a great yeah. message in that, um, and it speaks to our society today. And, and if you could kind of uh, just recap that, because I think it's uh, for people who might not who listen to this and won't go to your channel, it's important because it speaks to the mentality of a younger generation today. Um, you know, people, the, the participation trophies, and and I think um, yeah. what you we said in that video is very important. Yeah, so I, I, I like to put double meaning uh, titles to the videos a lot of times. It does get attention. So I, I said I beat my kids, and, and the point of the video was my uh, 13-year-old daughter came up to me, and she pulled out the chess board. She put the chess pieces in place. She said, I want to play chess with you. And when we started this, the, the first move, she goes, now you're going to let me win, right? I was like, child, I will beat you all over this room. I will I will teach you how to play the game of chess. We're not doing participation trophies. We're not going to let you win. You're going to have to beat me. That's the point of having an opponent. And uh, I told her, I said, I will paint this room with the blood of your bishops and your knights. I will teach you a Carthaginian peace. We will pull up your crops. And we would pour salt on the fields, and nothing will ever grow again. You don't want to come in here with a chess game and play me in this game. You don't want to. I will make you cry, little girl. And so I do love kids, but, you know, sometimes they just have to know what they're up against. Uh, and here's the point, though. You know, your kids, one of these days, they're going to grow up. They're going to get a job. Chances are they're going to lose that job. They're not going to like that job. There's going to be a point where they've got to resign. They get, they're going to get downsized. They're going to get fired. The company may close down. Life is going to beat you from time to time. How are you going to respond to that? Well, life sometimes in your circumstances become your opponent. You've got to overcome it. That's how you win. Look, it's a disservice. People get on to me all the time, and they say, there's nothing wrong with participation trophies. Well, I beg to differ, because it, it, it belittles the kid that did win first place. He doesn't appreciate winning first place anymore, because everybody was, uh, you know, given approval for participating. 
And so I want my kids to win. I've got five children. Uh, they range from 19 down to 10. And they're winners. They all have different viewpoints. They all have different graces. They all have different strengths, talents, abilities. And we've looked at their lives as parents. And we've said, you know, uh, you're not a good dancer. I mean, we don't mean it in a mean way, but you're, you're, that's not your gift. Your gift is in the area of, say, writing or something like that. Now I know that my kids are not going to get on an American Idol-type show one day and sing like the dogs are howling at the siren coming down the street, and somebody's going to tell them, you stink, and they're going to walk out crying on national television. It's not going to happen because as a parent, I told my kid, this is where your strengths lie, this is where your weaknesses are, and this is what you need to pursue. I believe as parents, it's up to us to speak that grace and to find that direction in our kids' lives. That's why so many kids are graduating from college undecided these days. Which, by the way, I want to go back to college. Uh, because apparently if you don't like something, you can go to a safe zone and take a nap. <laughs> we didn't have that when I was in school. And I love naps. I really do. You, you can take classes now, and they have educational sit-ins the whole semester. All you got to do is go sit. And you'll pass because you don't like something. I mean, there's all kind of stuff I don't like. I, I, my wife, I, I cooked a Mexican dish tonight. My wife came home with corn tortillas. I wanted flour. We didn't boycott dinner. <laughs> we still ate it. I didn't like it. But we ate it. It's very important. You with this? <laughs> Absolutely. And, and that's a, a huge... He's cracking up. That's a huge <laughs> um, message and, and lesson that kids need to learn is that there's it. competition, there's opposition, yeah. and you're going to face it throughout your life. And that's the beauty of it. Now my children can beat me in chess. That some of the, the, the boys can't because they're boys and they don't they don't develop mentally <laughs> and cognitively as fast as the girls do. Uh, so they we have to work on them. But you know the, the girls they beat me in chess nowadays because they. They, they learned. They learned the game. They learned how to play. And I, and I hope that in the game of life, kids can learn the same thing because, man, life, life is going to hand you some rough obstacles from time to time. And, and if you don't know how to use those obstacles as stepping stone and things to hold on to to climb, you're really going to have a long, hard, hard road when it comes to living. Boy, you got that right. You'd be living life uh, disappointed all the time. Yeah, and, you know, anyone who's raised teenagers understands a lot about life. And, and I've often said, in, in kidding, you know, if, if you're the father or if you're a parent of a teenager, you should be able to walk down to your local pharmacy and just select what you want. Um, you know, but anyway. Uh, we only have a few minutes left, Chad. Um, what's a, what's in the future for you? Do you are you um, going to continue doing the videos? You, you plan on expanding to something bigger? What do you, what do you Man, got you going gotta on? you got to continue, obviously. Yeah, we'll, we'll continue doing the videos. Um, uh, I'll continue doing some television stuff. I work with a with a network called Ride Television Network. I have a show called It's My Backyard. Cowboy show, kind of a man on the street show. Uh, hence the cowboy hat. Uh, the, the cowboy hat is, is a character in the show. Uh, everywhere I go, they throw me into situations, whether it's New York City, Atlanta, Georgia, Chicago. I'll be in L.A. in two weeks. Uh, for a movie premiere with some A-list celebrities, and I've always got the cowboy hat on it. So we like getting those reactions from people. Um, and uh, so we'll continue doing that. We actually start tomorrow with uh, my buddy and I, Heath Oaks. Uh, he's, a, he's an author and, a, and an incredible salesperson and business owner. We're starting a podcast because this is the 21st century, and everybody's got to have a podcast. So we're starting that tomorrow. 
Uh, at this point, it's the podcast with no name because we have no idea what we're going to call it, but we're going to do the podcast. And, uh, of course, we I tour. I do a lot of live shows, comedy, music, as well as motivational speaking. And uh, it's that we did 35 cities last year, and we're looking forward to doing a ton this year as well. Man, how great is that? Well, it's fun. Yeah, really. Um, so, so yeah, you got a you got a full uh, full schedule lined up, and and wow, that, that's great. Well, I want to thank you for coming on, man. It's it, any any advice, okay? Because you've got uh, look, we we're we we're only uh, listen, or we we were only heard in 114 countries last year, and I think 65 million downloads. Uh, uh, or seventy-five million, or something like that. Yeah, all right, right. roughly. Uh, you know, so how can we expand? I mean, well, get what's a few tens of millions here or there. I mean, just throw those numbers; it doesn't matter. Really, but so any, so do you have any advice for us? Like, we won't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. But do you have any advice? <laughs> just, just between us, right? All right. Uh, you know what? Uh, for me, and a lot of times when you go viral, uh, it's it's lightning striking. But I've managed to do it over and over and over again. For me, it's just staying consistent and true to yourself. What is your message? Who are you? Be comfortable in your own skin and keep consistently putting that out there. And the folks that need to be watching, they're going to gravitate to it and they're going to keep on watching it. You build a brand around yourself, and I'm telling you, it's going to be successful every time. It will just continue to grow. And, and that, my friends, is really a life lesson. And, and I think, uh, Mr. Prather, I think you hit it right on the head. And uh I want to thank you so much for your gift of time tonight. Absolutely. Gracious we want to have you back time. on in the yeah. future, I'm sure. Thank you. We talk about a number of other things. and um, Man, I was cracking up. With the, the, <laughs> you, you had me cracking up. I mean, my, my ribs hurt. But, uh, it's the first time you laughed all day. I'm telling you. <laughs> you know, Break that smile out. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, Chad, God bless you, everybody. Thanks for joining us, Chad. You have a good evening, and uh, wish you the best. Thanks for having me on the show, guys. Thanks, man. How is that, folks? Thank you, John Robertson, for setting that up, and thank you, Chad Prather, and thank you. And, and go to his website, watchchad.com. I can't believe no one – I mean, if you have never been there, uh, people in our audience, and I think you have, and you've, you've, I'm sure you've seen him. See, if you're like me, uh, you've seen him many times in the past on videos. He was on but Fox. But it wasn't until John, uh, John said, you know, this is going to be on your show on, on Tuesday when I go look, and I said, oh, okay, that's who that is. Oh, yeah. So um, – and, and, and see – Look, I, I I truly believe this. The the what he's what what Chad Prather said, you know, the gift of of laughter too. I, I can't I can't say how he said it, but you know, um, no, it is very important. It, it is. It, if you're not it laughing, feels great you're, to laugh. You're too. dying, is what he said. Yeah, and that's very yeah. true. You know, things are so serious in our society today. Everybody's on edge. Everybody is um, oh, said, angry, frustrated. Even today, trying to. Not even being able to articulate what I want to say uh, in the first hour after thinking about it all day, it does get frustrating. It gets old, and we see this all throughout well, our society in many different areas. I, and I, you I, have to bring a little levity to the, you, you know, and this is true. And, and Chad Prather said it as much, but it was interesting because before Eric, uh, the tech, got to the studio, I was looking for some packing tape, specific tape. It, it was a, it was a, it's a, it's very like specific. Oh yeah, yeah, and, and man, I am like really getting like I'm starting to snarl and just no, it was worse than that. It was to the point he was angry, yelling, snarling, and then laughing, like the crazy laugh. Like <laughs> how come we can't find? <laughs> not not quite, but you get the idea. And Eric walks in here and uh, into the studio, and he said uh, he was in here for like I don't know eight seconds, and he walks in to the storage closet, opens the storage closet. 
reaches over, hands it to me, and says, here it is. Yeah, storage closet. We all looked in more than one. Yes. And, and I said, how did you do that? He said, you know why you didn't find it? Because you were angry. Don't be angry. You were angry. Folks, we're right back with uh, Sandale. Wow. We've had a great show as always. Uh, if you joined us late, first hour we talked about news, current events, um, and some investigative findings. Then we had Andrew Kerr from the Citizens Audit on from eight to eight thirty, and then Chad Prather on in the last segment, which was uh, a great interview. Now we have Standeo from Standeo.com, folks. Bookmark Stan's website. He joins us each and every Tuesday, right here in our third hour, and we got a, a whole list of things to talk about tonight. Stan, welcome back to the show. Good to be back. Good to be back. Everybody's uh, well and hail over there. Yeah. Well, for the most part. Hey, there Stan. you are. I, I wonder whether you were coming back, Doug. I was right here all along. I, I was just quiet. <laughs> no, no. You know, it's it's great to have you. It's great to talk with you, uh, uh, folks. Standale.com is his website. Show images up for tonight. So. Get you know direct your browsers to standeo dot com, and of course I would I must dutifully mention Dare to Prepare, Prudent Places, Prophetic Perils, and all of the goodies at standeo dot com. So, but uh, yeah, no, thanks for asking. Everyone, everyone's good here. Uh, you're feeling you're feeling well, I take it, because you know it's been kind of rough for you here this uh, past several several weeks. It seems like. Yeah, yeah. We've on top of that uh, um, contracted some kind of a nasty cold, and then I gave it to Holly, and so I'm kind of on the mend, and she's kind of on the sinking ship at the moment. So, yeah, in spite of all that, it's been a very good week already. So, we're enjoying okay. watching the uh, the news on President Trump, uh, getting a, a kick out of all the things they're bringing up to degrade the man or whatever. Yeah, you know, it, it's. It is absolutely amazing to see what uh, I've been. I've been. I've been following the social networking feed of the. I'll call them domestic terrorists because to me that's what they are, and it's just amazing to see that the the stuff that they're pulling. That if any if any one of us would have done any portion of that to Obama or Hillary, man, we'd be in, we'd be in a prison cell somewhere. But that's, a big dark hole somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, so the last time you were on was prior to the inauguration. Now it's post-inauguration, so we've got, I'm just curious, what did you think of the inauguration? I thought it was great. In fact, I I was uh, amused uh, a number of times looking at former presidents and uh, ladies uh, listening to uh, President Trump um, give him a dressing down from the pulpit there. I thought it was fun. <laughs> You know, this, uh, this atmosphere, the, the hostilities from uh, all these different protesters or whatever you want to call them, rioters, to the... Well, what's most shocking to me is the media's um, willingness to promote 
not violence per se, but to promote that that hostility and continue the just the insanity uh, with lies that they make up and whatnot. It seems that it's getting to a ridiculous point that I'm starting to believe that they're doing it for a much deeper reason than we can even imagine right now, or they're just trying to really foment as much hate against Trump as possible. Because what they're doing is they're making up lies. They're attacking him for things they did themselves. Uh, the one example today is, you know, CNN uh, talking about Trump's allegations of, of voter fraud on the left from illegals voting and, and dead people voting uh, for Hillary Clinton. Now CNN saying that that's delegitimizing um, the integrity of the election when for, you know, a month straight they've been hammering how Russia influenced our election. And, you know, that was definitely more delegitimizing to the election than what, what Trump said. But where do you see all this insanity going? Well, <clears throat> there's a there's a laughable side and then there's a serious side. Obviously, you're hitting on the serious side of that. Uh, I think it was New York Times today uh, published an article about the... Uh, the uh, illegal voters, illegal illegal immigrant voters that weren't really registered, you know, the three to five million that that uh, President Trump said there might be, and he's going to do an investigation. That's in the main article, but in the headlines for it, they're saying that, uh, you know, uh, uh, Spicer, that's his uh, name in it, Holly, the news guy. Yeah. yeah the anyway, secretary. he comes out and says, you know, um, uh, President Trump is going to look into this. This is what he thinks. And New York Times says he's buying into the the, the lie that President Trump believes. You know, and so before you even get into the article, they're biasing you to saying it's a, it's it's a lie he believes in. It you know he's just crazy, and so it's yellow journalism to the ultimate. Now, okay, you could you could say okay, well they're just sour grapes and that'll pass in time but you and I both know with this worldwide organized women's march all over the world you know uh, on the same day that something bigger a globalist agenda is at hand and if they could not take the election uh, and get Hillary in this time it means they're going to have to do something to stop Trump and if they can't legally find a way they're going to foment a revolution in the country and just absolutely swamping with problems. Um, okay. So I see that we're, that. Yeah. we're... Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean to interrupt, but man, I just want to say amen to that. I, I agree with that. You're, you're talking about their tactics. I'm sorry. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, no, that's all right. That, that's, that's fine. I mean, you and I have talked about this, guys, uh, for oh, a year or two, you know, looking up to we're going to see uh, a civil war, a, a multi- faceted civil war in this country is going to tear us apart. Now, uh, when I began talking about this, it was because of the the prophetic uh, information that the Hopi gave to us when we were down there, Holly and I, and said that uh, there is coming a time soon when the United States would have a, a civil war that wasn't just A against B, it was C against D against F, uh, you know, uh, religious uh, differences of wealth differences, uh, political differences, uh, white against black, uh, Puerto Ricans against this and that, you know, uh, Muslims against Christians and Jews. They said we were going to be torn apart on so many sides that you won't know who to trust. Now, that was kind of, you know, in the future sometime. Now we see the press, the mainstream press, driving us headlong into a situation that's going to just cause that to happen in, in President Trump's administration. Um, you know, they're fomenting. They're fomenting revolution, and, and uh, the mainstream media is 
and uh, at, at the forefront of that is is uh, Soros, you know, uh, George Soros. Yeah, uh, 50, 56 at, at minimum, 56 organizations tied to that march, just by the way. Uh, uh, you know, part of that march, Soros was behind. Now, Stan, i got to ask you a question, because I, I know you watched the inauguration, uh, the, the ceremonies themselves. Now, I've got a question for you, and I've been asking everyone I can about this one situation. Did, did you see... I don't know. I think it was like two and a half minutes into his address when the military, the the was five military, ultimately six, came down and stood behind him. Yeah. On the, when he was on the podium. Now I went yeah. back all the way to 1980 and looked at all of the inaugural addresses all the way back through 1980. I didn't see that happen one time. I read that it was a uh, they were passing out rain gear. Yeah, I that was the that. only ex- explanation I saw. Yeah, right, right. And then they formed behind him. If they passed out rain gear, fine, but then they stayed. And they stayed until somebody uh, came walking down and whispered in their ear there and said, okay, it's time to leave now. But yeah, I thought well, that was good. Do, do you think that was just kind of a, was it, was it, was it a whoops, uh, you know, our timing was off, or was it something else? I, I just, I, because every, that's so well scripted. It has to be. And mistakes like well, that the rain was a happen. surprise, so they may have they may have done that to bring in the, the, the plastic covers for the people up there behind President Trump. I, I don't know, but um, I do know that the military is behind President Trump. They they are really behind him. I you know Mattis is uh, the first thing of blowing up what was it thirty one ISIS ships or people or whatever. You know, I thought that was a great start to his run as well. Um, it's it like patting at the wheel there, you know. Great stuff. In, in, any of his, uh, any of Trump's nominations to date, do they surprise you? Do they trouble you? Do do you feel okay with them uh, overall? Or overall, yes. Um, mm, former administration guy was, I think, retained. But other than that, um, you know, I don't know how these people related to uh, President Trump because he talked to him, you know, privately. And, you know, you got to trust the man's instincts. If he thinks he needs somebody that was part of Obama's administration in there as well as what he appoints, and that's part of his, you know, crossing the aisle, that's fine. He's in charge. We've got to give him a chance to do it. And, you know, they're going to be, as he said, he the art of the deal is to give and take, you know, what to give and what to take. And he doesn't forecast in any of his negotiations what he's going to do. He doesn't put all his cards on the table until it's in play. And I think that is clever. You don't tell the enemy, for instance, in war, oh, look, uh, tomorrow at 2.15, I'm going to bomb the heck out of your missile depot over there in the west. No, because they'd move it all by the time you got there. Right. You do it as a surprise. I mean, you just don't give away your tactics and strategy. So he's good. He's good. Exactly right. Yeah. Okay. Hey, listen, on, on our uh, homepage on uh, standio.com, you know, we have uh, Holly puts up there the photo of the day, comic of the day, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Go, go over to standio.com and look at the photo of the day. I, it's just uh, painted by the same guy that painted the original um, uh, picture of the presidents where uh, Obama was president at the time and his foot was stomping on the Constitution. But this is the. the it's John McNaughton who's painted this. And, uh, you know, you can click and see what else he's done, the original one, and plus the video on it. And I just think it is a sterling picture. I mean, you've got the forgotten man up off of the bench holding the Constitution in his hand, money in his hand, 
and you got Obama standing in the background, like shunning him with his hands and saying, oh, no, no, on the right side, you know, with the Clintons and all the other Democrats yep. over there. On the left, you got Abe Lincoln, George Washington, you got them all sitting there thing, clapping, and, you know, one is kneeling in prayer saying, thank God that we got this, you know. And I just think it's just brilliant work, you know, you ought to just go and see a site and, you know, maybe send him a, a thank you. Yeah, it's just really good. Yeah, he, uh, he is certainly talented, and, and that is an interesting um Different, uh, wow, yeah, different than the, the former sentence yeah. that, that reflects. Anyway, you know, there's, there's plenty of stuff to look well, at there, as usual, on her right side of the page there. We've got all these orange links to Uplift and Video of the Week. Yep. Um, and, you know, like Comic of the Day, there's a couple of good comics today that she's put up. Um, she's also put up. Uh, the winners of the contest. We've uh, drawn 10 of them. We've notified all of them, and uh, all but three have given us their mailing address, so we sent those books out to them today, so uh, we've already notified them by email. They're on the way as well, so it's going to be good. going to be good. Thank you for... Yeah, and I want to thank you for doing that uh, for our audience, and uh, folks, if you're listening to this and haven't checked, haven't checked standale.com, do so check your name to, to make sure and if you haven't responded if you're one of the three please do that so uh, but but thank you for doing that uh, very gracious and uh, giveaway uh, for our most listeners. welcome guys uh, it's um, kind of the least we could do you guys do the show every week and every, probably about five days a week yep. and so you know you guys are the real troopers there well thanks for that all right what's uh, oh I, I thought of you when I saw this uh, the what the new weather images, and I'm uh, from NOAA. Yes, uh, the, NASA. Uh, or let, let me. Uh, the Washington uh, Post had it, and then um, I'm trying to think who else linked to it. But but the the stitching of the weather satellite or the stitching of the pictures to give a yeah. like a uh, wow, some phenomenal images. Yeah, I'm waiting to see what else they they bring in. They say it's high resolution, but I'd like to see, you know, better resolution down on the surface. But if it's just for weather, I guess that's that's uh, that's good. But yeah, the Go 16 satellite, I think. Ah, okay. Well, it, 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 anyway, I just I thought even when I, when I saw that, I thought, wow, it just looks good. But anyway. Yeah, I went over there and, and thumbed through it and, you know, thought, well, okay, I'm waiting for the next lot. That, that'll be good. <laughs> yeah. Some, a couple of days ago, I guess you saw that 7.9 over there in Papua New Guinea. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you look at image five, the earthquakes on our show images page, uh, in the last week, there have been 224 earthquakes I show on this that are over Richter 2.5. And I... You know, a 2.5 is not bad, not even interesting, really. But when you look at it, it shows you a pattern of where the plate tectonics, you know, the, the tectonic plates are stressing and relieving stress. And it's interesting in this picture here to see that, okay, we had that big release over Papua New Guinea, and we've had uh, a couple of reasonable ones, you know, fives, fours up north of New Zealand, and then up in Fiji. Uh, and so the left the southwest part of the ring of fire and the arc of fire and that over on the west coast of South America and up a fault, a plate line going up into the middle of the South Pacific, that's all become active. In the last week, we're seeing you know, bigger and bigger quakes there. 
I think that it's time to kind of start wondering whether the big one in California is going to happen. Now, look over the last six months, which would be uh, the image left of that, which would be image four, and you'll see that I've plotted the Richter 5.9 and greater in the last six months. Now, you see a bunch of them over on you know Japan and, and down into uh, Guam and, and you know, Papua New Guinea and Fiji and New Zealand. All that side is active, and also over on the South American West Coast. But you didn't see um, all those little quakes that uh, showed on t- the last six days, going from the part of to the southern part of Chile, I guess it is, part of Argentina, going west up to that red fault line, which are our plate tectonic border there in the South Pacific. Now, and, and you only see a couple of Richter, you know, sixes or so up in the southern part of the Juan de Fuca Plate. No activity other than that on this plot shows on the west coast of the United States, you know, as far as 5.9s or greater. Everywhere else it's releasing, and we know from the, the USGS, it's no secret, that it's well over 50 years overdue for a Richter 9 earthquake up in the Juan de Fuca Plate. Now that we're starting to see some sixes down on the southern tip of it near Eugene uh, in uh, Northern California, uh, Eureka, sorry, in, Southern, in Northern California. Now that we're seeing those two or three little quakes there and looking at all the other larger quakes and in, in clusters on the west and south and uh, southeast portion of the Arc of Fire, it's time for California, the west coast, to field some big ones. So I'm telling everybody, you know, uh, you know, Dutch Sense has a, a nice site on that where he predicts it using his stress maps and whatever. Keep an eye because I think we're going to see some earthquake activity on the west coast this year that would that would be uh, uh obviously devastating uh yeah wow yeah, I, yeah I'm, I'm i'm looking at this and uh the imagery here folks go to standeo.com to show images and take a look at these two images the, the images do bring this home at least in my view um wow yeah, what's yeah, going, and the, and uh, sorry, I'm just on. curious, uh, what's going on with respect to, uh, I don't know, it would be south of Cuba perhaps, or in, in the uh, Caribbean there? What's going on there? Um, oh, that looks um, bit... that's um, oh, Puerto Rico in that area. Or Puerto Rico, yeah. there you go. Yeah, yeah. They, they rumble all the time. There are volcanoes and earthquakes all, all along that uh, that. Uh, top portion of that uh, tectonic plate border there. Um, so, I mean, just any day you can almost pick earthquakes and, from volcanoes or from you know seismic activity there. Uh, I'm more concerned, as I say, with the development of some larger quakes, but not a lot of them, um, in the southern part of the, the Juan de Fuca plate, uh, right where the Mendocino Ridge from the Pacific goes into northern California there, Eureka. Um, mm, you know, okay. it's the the image five showing the earthquakes over two point five globally does tell you that still the bigger quakes are elsewhere. It's only the minor quakes in the U.S. that we're seeing in the last week, and they tell you where we know that the the, the fault line is or the tectonic plate border in Southern California up to uh, Washington State. There's no real surprises there at the moment, other than in the last six months we've had two Richter sixes so up in the toe of the Juan de Fuca plate. So oh. anyway, keep an eye on that stuff. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting yeah. visuals. Yeah, always keeping an eye on the potential for natural disasters. 
as they uh, happen frequently, whether it's flooding, tornadoes. We just saw in Georgia the uh, – and I wanted to ask you this, Dan. I was thinking about this. The tornado outbreak we saw in the south over the weekend, 19 or 20 dead. Um, this this is average for uh, the January through April season in the south, is it not? No, I don't think so. Hold on. I know March was a big month for tornadoes in the yeah, south. This month was two average. Yeah. And Holly says we've had more tornadoes this month than all of 2016 combined. Wow. Yeah, and I I heard well read that somewhere, and I, and I wasn't even sure if that was if that was accurate. But okay, there it is. So you're looking yes. at 24 days, mm-hmm. less than three weeks. Well, wow. this fits in with what I thought would happen. We're going to see uh, more extremes in the weather as we approach these chaotic times from changes in the sun. I mean, we have a, a large coronal hole pointed at us at the moment. I had one of your listeners, a lady, write in to me. She says, my compass is, you know, like 17 degrees off. And she gave me the exact figure. I don't remember what it was. But she says, it's not, I always have it, you know, nailed down here pointing to north. And it's way off north. It's like not where it should be. And this is because of the magnetic storms that are being created here in our magnetosphere by solar wind coming out of that coronal hole on the sun. Uh, I've seen this happen. I told her, I said, look, you know, Several years ago, I've been watching this over 20 years. Uh, I, I did see my own compass you know, deviate 17 to 20 degrees and stay there for hours during a massive uh, magnetic storm. And I'm sure it deviates even more than that when you get a severe uh, solar storm coming from the, the heart of a uh, coronal hole. But, um, you know, that's that's influencing not only our magnetosphere, it's influencing the, the uh, storms and the storm patterns. They're directly linked. And so when we're seeing, you know, such a huge increase in tornadoes, I'm linking that back to the sun. Now, of course, people that are, you know, snowflakes or whatever are going to be saying, oh, no, 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 that's global warming. It's our fault with our cars and whatever. It is not. There might be a a, a minuscule effect into what our weather is doing by, you know, cow gas or car emissions or whatever. It is not the main cause because if it were then we uh, we wouldn't have the warming on Mars and Saturn and Jupiter and the other planets. They're getting warmer, too. And and having, you know, like Venus had some interesting storms, too, that the Japanese film. Uh, this is a solar system uh, process. It is not an Earth process dependent upon, you know, how much uh, human activity and animal activity produces greenhouse gases. So, anyway, I... Well, no, anyway, look at the. That's interesting. I'm glad you pointed that out about the solar system. Go ahead, Joe. I mean, if you just look at the cycle of the ice ages before any of these machines or emissions or whatever they claim, you know, the pollution, carbon pollution that they say is is so detrimental to our environment. Um, yeah. There's much more extreme changes in the weather uh, during you know from the last ice age and and the melting of the those ice um, glaciers over uh, you know huge land masses, and, and that just shows that there is cycles of nature that are uncontrolled by uh, humans or attempt uh, by humans of weather modification. 
Yeah, it's part of the globalist agenda, trying to create crisis curves greater than they really are ahead of time to prevent troubles, you know, massive troubles down the way. And and I I understand the psychology of that, but uh, they should you know be a bit more truthful when they're pressed on it. Uh, this is just not causing the problems we're seeing. I mean, look, uh, today China announced that they're going to have, uh, oh gosh, I forget how many you know millions of dollars they're going to spend on um, weather modification in an area of China to increase rainfall and reduce, you know, um, the drought and stuff. Um, they have problems with manufacturing, polluting their air in their major cities, and they can't let that happen to their, their uh, red basket. So they are spending large amounts of money to control the weather in their own country to produce better crops and stuff and it's it has nothing to do with their their cities and that kind of stuff because any of the the pollution stuff they're getting either causes rain or fog or goes gets blown out to the Pacific toward Japan and, and beyond um, so you can tell that what they're spending money on is certainly trying to mitigate the problems on a larger basis caused by uh, solar events, I'm sure. Uh, I haven't read the whole paper yet, but still, they're looking at doing solving it with adding stuff to weather rather than cutting down emissions and whatever. Yeah, what they were going to do, I think they're spending 168 million euros, whatever that computes to, in dollars, um, on a cloud seeding program where they were going to be putting um, silver iodine and dry ice into the atmosphere in order to uh, engineer the weather to make it rain, and they claim that they could make it rain as big as an area two times the size of France once they get this up and running, and they're going to do this through cloud seeding. Um, this is pretty interesting. You know, we and we, I, we talked about this a little bit earlier, how you know the cloud seeding and weather modification has been um, a staple in the U.S. government as from the U.S. government for you know decades now, and. We were kind of tied it to you know the the conspiracy theory about chemtrails and how you know China is coming out openly saying that they're going to be cloud seeding and we know that's something the U.S. government and the agencies in the government have done for a while here now but they deny it and they say you know the the chemtrails are are just contrails um, but it's interesting mm-hmm. to see what China's uh, saying they're going to do and it'll be interesting to see the results if they get the results that they're looking for just by. Uh, seeding, you know, a few elements more into the atmosphere. They said they did it in the uh, during the Olympics in order to remove the smog. That they had cloud seeding capabilities that that took the smog right out of the sky for their fireworks show after the Olympics. A few, whenever that was, the last time. But um, huh. we're coming up against the break. When we come back, I want to get into some of the things that are on the show images portion of your website. Uh, we did not talk about today. President Trump institutes a media blackout at EPA. I think that's important, as well as um, there's an asteroid passing between the Earth and the moon today, the size of a bus uh, that many of you might have heard about just today. I'll talk about that and a few other things that Stan has on his show images page. Folks, go to standeo.com, and on the right-hand side, click the show images button, and you can follow along with us uh, right from your computer. We'll be right back. Stay with us.
back, ladies and gentlemen, to our final segment of this edition of the Hagman Report. We are joined by Stan Dale from standale.com. He joins us each and every Tuesday here in hour number three. Uh, before the break, we were talking about a uh, number of stories on Stan's show images page. And Stan, you were about to talk about China strategically um, placing um, missiles. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Image number seven on the show images page and uh, eight as well. Uh, you know, uh, President Trump has made no secret of the fact that he wants to uh, stop uh, China taking advantage of us. And some of the things you wouldn't have seen in the press, or one of the things anyway, is that uh, China, during the Clinton administration, President Clinton gave China the right to have a desk, a permanent desk, inside the patent office in Washington. I know that because I was dealing with them at the time in 2004, I think it was. And uh, one of the original, like you know, the old-timers that was a, a patent reviewer, was telling me that they were not only giving the Chinese access to the patents coming through, uh, they were uh, hiring uh, unqualified people in groups to sort through patents to see whether they meet certain criteria. And uh, I got to talk to one of those groups of people that, that were under people like him. He was unhappy about it because these, these people weren't uh, formally trained. Uh, you know, Some of them weren't well-educated. And uh, they had people that could barely speak English in one place reviewing patents like mine that had technical details of you know electromagnetics and all that kind of stuff in it. And when I talked to them, I thought, why am I talking to you? I don't even know if you can tie your shoes without help, you know. And this was inside our patent office. And China, of course, was uh, sitting there sifting through all the goodies and patents and taking what it wanted without telling anybody. Now, they shouldn't be able to look at patents. They should be sealed. Uh, you know, the application should be sealed until the patent is granted and uh, opened. And um, what happened was when I filed my patent at that time, uh, they rejected it, saying it won't, uh, it, it won't work. You can't prove this. And then they published my application on the internet. It's still there today. Um, you know, which is a violation of what they're supposed to be doing. They're supposed to be filing the application in a closed box until such time as I file my amended patent application, or until you know I, I abandon it. And that that's several years worth. But anyway, they put it straight on the internet. Now, China. As a result of sitting there looking at stuff that's either, you know, applied and didn't get to uh, to, to a patent stage or just been granted and phones it back over home and says, look, this is something we could make money on. Let's just change this, this and that in the, in the patent application and uh, we'll have our own version. And then make product and, and within two or three weeks have it on our West Coast killing the American inventors who invented whatever it was. So President Trump saying, hey, you know, guys, um, uh, we're going to stop this. We're going to play fair. We're going to have fair trade. And if you can come over here with stuff violating our patent laws and, and, and hurting our inventors here, our intellectual property here, we're going to penalize you for it, which is fair. You know, I mean, because they've been stealing from us all this time. So he's, he's thrown the gauntlet down to China. Well, so China announces the deployment of the new long-range nuclear missile on the Russian border. They just moved them up there this week. And the, they can target the U.S. from there. They can hit 12 cities with one missile from their new location there. And uh, the article in uh, oh, uh, Image 7 down there says they, the target, at least of the announcement, is President Trump. They're saying to him, we're getting our missiles ready to give you a headache. And, you know, you can go over at 
page eight and look at the, the other article too about the Russian uh, borders and the the uh, Chinese missiles being put up there. Um, it may be just saber rattling, but they're certainly telling President Trump, you know, we're not happy, really not happy. So yeah, and the article know, says that the strategic placement of these missiles it would not be ideal if they were targeting a Russian territory. Um, that they would have to position them more in the southern uh, parts of China if they were targeting Russia, which makes these uh, the people believe that the United States, Canada, and Europe are the potential targets of these uh, deployed missiles if anything were to be launched. Yeah, I know. I, I agree with you completely. And uh, there's there's no mistake about it. I mean, uh, they're they're not being shy about it at all. Um, I just see here that the picture I've got up there is not not happy at the moment. Uh, forbidden access. Let me just see if I can change that so we can see that graphic. Yeah, now if you click on that graphic there, uh, image uh, seven, um, you'll see that uh, they've got that missile launch position uh, where it is there in the black heading over toward um, the United States. I mean, they they're looking like they can get as far over as the Great Lakes, but uh, wherever they get, it would be painful. Which brings me to another point. If we do get into a, a nuclear confrontation, which is probably coming, um, uh, Holly's book, The Dare to Prepare, has a whole section which has been built around some old uh, FEMA uh, uh, safeguards, you know, how to, to weather and make yourself a in-home, uh, survive the fallout-type shelter, plus a lot of other stuff that she found and put into that chapter so that you can, if you're near a nuclear blast but not wiped out by it, and there's a anvil cloud of of a fallout coming your way. You can either walk away from it to the left or right of it, or you can prepare your home, you know, with some, you know, sand and or various other things outside the windows and go downstairs. And she tells you what, it tells you how much you need of everything, what kind of stuff uh, is the best preventative. And, you know, uh, it, it may be nothing, but there it is. It's, you know, even using government uh, written documents from a long time ago about nuclear war and surviving it in your home. Um, still good stuff. And I think you, that, uh, you, you know, yeah, and I agree where we are, uh, Stan. We are in a uh, so called targeted area, I guess. And, uh, and Dare to Prepare does cover. Uh, it spoke directly to me when I was reading that section on preparations. So I just want to thank Holly publicly for that because, I mean, that could uh, uh, save our lives. I mean, really, if you think about it, if you're not directly underneath the uh, bomb when it hits, and you have to make preparations like that. So thank you. And, and yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it's very detailed, too. Very, It's very good. Well, she managed to score a, a shelter-in-place type document from from the government uh, that was, you know, out of print and, and lost. I mean, it's like forty or fifty years old, and uh, you know, they just didn't reprint it. But it was very important information. That's where uh, she she quotes that tells you where she got it. But it was she was very fortunate to be able to find a copy of that after all these years. She's got about five different plans for how you can build stuff in your house very quickly to weather for a couple of weeks. That's all you need to do, two or three weeks, something like that, usually. Uh, and, and our house, of course, uh, if we stand up on the, the deck and look out, I can see the southern end of the Army missile test or weapons test range at uh, Colorado Springs, you know, uh, and Giant Mountain where, you know, NORAD and Space Command and all that stuff is. So we're kind of partial to that uh, that section of what we need to do should uh, they be bombed up there.
gosh, we're, we're that close. But and, and, yeah. and I'm just curious, uh, and, and I know people can read this, but like in in your case, just as an example, so you see a, the flash, you know what it is, you see the uh, anvil cloud forming. How long? Uh, how long would you have to do whatever you needed to do before you would be affected by the Well, fallout? it depends on your distance uh, from the, the animal uh, cloud. It depends also on the prevailing winds, okay. um, the strength of the bomb. Uh, you might have a few hours. Um, okay. it, you just have to gauge it at that time. But you can get stuff prepared. Like we've got, we're in the book business, right? So out in our, our, our book storage warehouse there here on the property, we have, you know, cases and cases of books, and, and uh, you can use books, stack them on top sure. of the, on the floor over our basement there, and a certain number of books will shield from a certain amount of radiation, and you can, uh, we've got a sandy backyard, a hard scrap, I guess you call it, just sand and rocks. You can shovel that stuff into black bags and put it against your windows and a certain number of feet of that, and that shields you from radiation that falls onto the ground that might come through the window. Right. And then you can... You know, we've got, uh, um, what do you call it, these uh, chipboard, uh, you know, uh, like marine ply boards and stuff that we use to line the, the garage when you're putting uh, insulation in. And you can use those things, they're four by eight sheets, uh, to uh, put stuff over a smaller area in the basement and, and put your books or dirt and sand or whatever you're going to use, uh, concrete blocks, over the top of that, and you hunker down in that for that two-week period and only come out for short periods into the main uh, basement. I mean, there's all kinds of ways to do it, but um, okay. you know, okay. you need to know the exact amounts and thicknesses of every kind of material. If you got steel sheet or you know, lead or whatever, and all that's in the book. And uh, so we're prepared here as best we can be. Um, I'm sure that we could probably be better, but uh, uh, you know, real life goes on in the meantime. Sure, but, but I, I, I believe that that gives our listeners a, a good idea um, what they can expect from Dare to Prepare. I think I think that's uh, really, folks. See now that. That's applicable to Stan and Holly, and of course, uh, same thing with us. So, this is to me is an invaluable tool. It's it's the encyclopedia, the final word I think in preparation. Dare to prepare. So, uh, yeah. yeah. The uh, I, I guess you, know, you mentioned. I think it was Joe mentioned before the break about that uh, asteroid coming between the Earth and the Moon uh, tonight. Um, you know, it's it's a relatively slow asteroid. It's only going at about, you know, it's probably even less than escape velocity for a satellite get away from the Earth. It's 16,600 miles per hour. And it's about, you know, 70% of the way to the moon from us, so it's closer to the moon than it is to us. And it's somewhere they, they measure it uh, different ways. It tumbles from 13 to 46 feet across. And it would it would make a hurt if it hit the planet, but it's it's not going to at this point. However, it is interesting that it's uh, to quote them a newly discovered asteroid. <laughs> what more awaits us out there? There are thousands of them out there they can't even see yet. Mm. And then that's yeah. two of these in three weeks' time. Um, and they're saying it's part of a uh, of a lot of uh, debris of, from a an asteroid impact uh, or coming very close to the Earth 400 million years ago or something like that, and this is the aftershowers of that, and it just is a function of that. But you got to wonder. you got to wonder what's making it happen now. Um, there's just so much going on. Man. And like you said, there's always the threat of rogue asteroids because the undetectability uh, of many of them, and, and for whatever reason, 
and um, we get things like today. I don't know how long the asteroid was was um, identified that is passing by today, but oftentimes we see these kind of things happen, and we don't know till it's passed that it has happened. Which is yeah, cause for concern. You, you, yeah, you get a press release that says, "Ooh, that was close." <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, that, that last time you were on, that's what we were talking about. You know, we didn't even know it, or we weren't told until a couple of days after. Yeah, I know. This, this thing is the size of a bus. I mean, there's more of that stuff out there, and and to give the the scientists, you know, credit for this, um, they have a certain amount of equipment, certain resolution. But if the asteroid is dark not reflective how do you see it if it's not emitting heat how do you see it and you know it it takes some bit of reflected light in some spectrum so they can track it and say oh that's coming our way for them to be able to even detect it and that's we need better uh, equipment we need stuff further out from the earth you know in in, uh, uh, similar like parallel orbit but further out so that we can check for things coming in before they they released not only did they give them that that money the 223 million dollars they also appropriated um much more to to come to the Palestinians in the future and they did it very quietly and it's not till after Obama was out of office that it was announced yeah it's just this sneaky just definitely sneaky um and to the enemy i mean all the stuff they've done you know Obama and them behind the scenes and somewhat openly at the last minute has been designed to put the United States and Israel in harm's way to to destroy us. 
people cannot see what they're doing as treasonous acts. Uh, you know, uh, it... Uh, Stan, I was going to ask you about this EPA ban. You said that this is, in your opinion, that this was common or something that um, is understandably being done through this transition of power, especially with the um, with Trump talking about how you know bloated of an agency this is, and and you know wanting to cut the reg- a lot of regulations, which the EPA is responsible for many regulations, unnecessary burdens and regulations. Um, do you think that he's going to clean house? And this is the re- this is one of the first steps in that direction. I think so. I mean, you know, when he bars the staff from awarding any new contacts or, or grants or whatever, and cut off their social media accounts, saying don't do it. I mean, he's definitely uh, locking them into in, into the house there and saying we're we're going to change things. I mean, the EPA is such a an octopus into everything. Uh, a couple of years back, I told you, we looked at our mortgage. When we had a mortgage, we looked at our mortgage contract. And it's a standard mortgage contract that's used all across the United States. One section of it, one paragraph said, if you, the EPA has the right to, you know, uh, call your loan due, your whole mortgage due, if they find, you know, that you've stored, say, gasoline there on your property. It doesn't say how much. It could be for your lawnmower or whatever and various other, you know, uh, things like, I don't know, diesel or whatever, if you're a farmer or if you've got a tractor or whatever. But they had such, you know, intrusive paragraphs in our mortgages that they could call the mortgages due all over the country as much as, you know, a gallon of gasoline for your lawnmower being in your garage or something. It was not limited by an amount. It was just open-ended. And it's stuff like that 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 the globalists were just trying to just ensnare the population any way they could. So I hope he's going to clean house big time. And we've seen the EPA um, in getting involved in, in a lot of other areas where um, they have no business getting involved. And we've seen the, the documentaries and the stories about you know people with who may have built houses on wetlands after the EPA comes in and declares it a wetland, even though it might not have been for 50 years. Find yeah. people $35,000 a day, makes them move out of their house. I mean, there's hundreds, if not thousands, of these stories just from the last few years. So yeah. there are many areas in the EPA that do have way too much power, way too much authority, and it's very broad, as you described. Uh, you know, they can come in and if you have a some kind of puddle or creek in your backyard, you know, that all of a sudden that's property of the government. You have to do this, 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 and that uh, to, you know, different regulations on, on burning and collecting uh, as you pointed out, from gasoline to natural gas to, I mean, they, they do put a lot of burdensome regulations on people, and it's very costly um, from yeah. what I've seen. So uh, yeah. I think cleaning house of the regulations and of the, um, you know, projects and the encroachment of the EPA would be a very good thing. If we can, um, number 15, unless you want to have a, another thought on Okay, that. number 15. Yeah, I, I have not seen this yet. Donald Trump's terrifying future weapons. Well, yeah, I went... I went through those. There's some interesting weapons there, like the uh, the, the blinding thing and the uh, oh, the laser gun. Yeah, the soldiers yeah. use to blind their enemy or whatever. They, they say they can't use it in combat yet, but you know who knows. So uh, it's, yeah, yeah. Wow. The, the picture I put up there is of their their 35 megawatt um, or kilowatt, no, 35 something or other. I'll look it up in a second. Their um, uh, shipboard laser cannon to um, uh, you know, aim at uh, aircraft or various other things or missiles. It's a 30 kilowatt, 30 kilowatt photon beam. 
and you know that's that's neat and everything. But what you're looking at there, to about in 1973 or 74, whenever Reagan was in, in power, I think, at that time they were testing that this device off the southern coast of um, Australia, off of Adelaide, on a naval ship there shooting at a, an Australian target aircraft, a drone it's called a Gendavik aircraft. It was five miles away, and they they made everybody that was you know on the ship uh, for the test, they made everybody go below decks and not touch anything metal when they fired it. And this thing fired, and the camera that, that was recording the fire of the, the beam going up toward the target operated at 50,000 frames a second. And, you know, it, uh, it hit the target and uh, burned it and destroyed it. Now, there was a problem with some of the metal targets, you know, missiles and planes, when they would hit it with the, the laser then, um, that it would create what's called a plume effect and melt metal and form a reflector that would reflect the beam away from the target so that it couldn't do any more damage. It just, the, the, the process of, of hitting it with a high-speed or high-intensity uh, laser. Now, after that, you know, and I've talked to some of the people that were, you know, somewhat remotely involved with uh, solving this problem, they started pulsing the laser so that it uh, would hit the, the target, bang, and a microsecond later uh, hit it again before the plume, you know, could reflect it away. It would, the target would move just a bit, and so it would allow it to make a cut. And and then they, they used other tests, like uh, forming the laser as uh, a a wire in the sky to the target, you know, ionizing the, the nitrogen. And so the air became conductive in that beam of laser. And then over the beam, over the outside, this is one they were testing on the Genovic, they would shoot donuts of charged air, plasma, along that wire, which was just nothing more than the laser beam to the target. It would follow that path up to the target, and because it was like a like a smoke ring scooping out stuff as it went along the, the beam, when it hit the target, it would... Uh, take the melted molten stuff and throw it out to the side and away from it so that there was no reflectivity. Anyway, this is shown as a, a new weapon and it's only, a, you know, like a 30 kilowatt beam and stuff. Uh, normally they use carbon dioxide lasers or something like that to get that kind of power, but uh, um, I, I marvel at this is what they're telling you they've got. And, and, and that information, is, what I'm telling you, is like uh, 30 or 40 years old. <laughs> yeah. Really Think about bad. that. Interesting. Let that settle in for a minute. Yeah, Stan, we've got about yeah. four minutes left, and I want to make sure that we talk about uh, this before we, because we mentioned this last week, uh, about the embassy, the potential for moving the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. And then also there was a story today about 2,500 um, homes to be to be built in the yeah. West Bank that yeah. was from today. Um, yeah. Any thoughts on those two stories? Well... Uh, the situation is not going to cool down over there. I mean, when, you know, Kerry and Obama put all that money into the Palestinian effort over, that's all they needed to, you know, get more weapons and more support. And then, of course, Israel's saying, well, this is our territory. We're going to build homes there, and, you know, we're going to claim it with, with the you know, resident Israelis. Now, they there is a, a plan circulating there in the Knesset, in, in Israel, uh, to make not a Palestinian country, but a Palestinian autonomous zone where they can rule themselves locally, but be part of the nation of Israel on the West Bank. And that's Israel's offer to let them settle there and run their own affairs, but not 
realize they're part of Israel. Um, you know, it's catch-22, I guess, but I, I think we're going to see big problems over there. And Obama and Kerry have certainly done their best to destroy Israel, and hence us. And Hillary, I would add Hillary as well. I mean, Senator yeah, oh, oh definitely. Stage, yeah. Yeah. With funding from Saudi Arabia, what do you expect? It's true. <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen, yeah. guys. Uh, on the show images page, image fourteen is a is a about a I don't know a minute clip or whatever two minute clip. Um, Holly you drew it to my attention, and uh, so I put it up on my um, YouTube channel, and it's a clip from uh, Independence Day Fourth of July. You know the, the UFO, the aliens are landing, whatever. And the president in the movie is making this impassioned plea, you know, to fight the quote unquote aliens, and. Uh, you got to read it. You got to watch it because it it strikes at being Donald Trump making that speech. It's just so good. It's just, you know you can see him standing up there with the microphone saying that. Hmm. All right. Ah, and one last thing. How long we got? Just a few minutes. Something like that. Yeah, uh, we got we're two good. minutes. We're good for two. Okay. Um, in image 10, the picture of light, it says making a mock cone. This camera that the, I think it was a Chinese fellow uh, developed uh, or built on uh, previous models will take pictures at 100 billion frames per second. And they, the photograph you're seeing there is from a video showing a light beam going through some mass. And it's that, that cone shape is like you would see around an aircraft making... Uh, breaking the sound barrier, except this is the light barrier. And why this is interesting is the light barrier, or the sound barrier, when you pass through it, you'll see a shock wave start at the nose and go all the way through the ship and to the end of it until it's ahead of it, and you'll get a sonic boom. But you don't get a light boom, as it were, uh, you know, from what the, they show in this photograph. It tells you that light is a different way to get through things, so, you know, space or ether or whatever you want to call it. It's like a donut, uh, like a smoke ring type effect, which throws the shock wave behind it always. You don't have a shock wave at light speeds. And that's why light travels so far in the universe is because it doesn't shove its way through. It creates a hole and falls into it because it's kind of this toroidal shape, this smoke ring shape. Stuff I've been talking about for a long time. But anyway, I just found it amazing to actually photograph this to prove the point today. Is this due to, to the ability of being able to, I mean, I see, uh, one billion frames per second? That's amazing. A hundred billion frames per 100 second. A hundred billion. I'm sorry. A hundred billion. That, that's, I can't even begin well, to wrap my mind around that. That's a hundred with nine zeros after it. Yeah, that's, uh, wow. that's pretty uh, intense there. And I, I did check out that story, and I saw the um, the little light cone that you're talking about. This is the first time they've ever captured the light, a sonic boom with light? Yeah, well, it's not really a sonic boom, but uh, right. what they're showing is the equivalent of a sonic boom. That, that cone, what's called the Mach cone, when a, a, a craft goes supersonic. But as I say, here we don't see the shockwave, you know, um, uh, that makes a sonic boom. There's no, It doesn't produce that kind of an effect, so it's not shoving its way through things. It's accepting its way through things. Totally new way to look at propulsion. Uh, uh, oh, what a distinction. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, that, look down at image six quickly. Um, try this experiment at home. You want to talk about mysteries? Watering the garden, 
shoving your your hose on full blast, you know, down into wet sand and see what happens, or a bucket of water like this, and try to solve that mystery. Going to do that. Image six, folks, on the show images page. Title: I show you a mystery in the garden. Right on. Stan, you've uh, taken us to the end of another show. Thank you so much, uh, you and Holly both, and you have a great week. Thank wow. you. We shall Thank recuperate you. together. <laughs> Amen. To I that. hope you guys feel better. Thank you, guys. Night, night. Lord bless you now. All right, that'll do it for us tonight. Until tomorrow, stay safe. God bless. Have a good evening.